it. We got it. Uh, we did it, Ubi. We came through. We did. Thank goodness. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that could not have been more exciting on uh, Friday night. Uh, that yeah. was uh, the uh, like Panthers victory. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It really did. It reminded me of that whole Nick Willenda thing when he was going over the Grand Canyon there on the tightrope and they misgaged the wind. And all of a sudden, you get like the Santa Ana winds are kicking up and they've made their way over to Las Vegas. And uh, this guy's trying to balance himself. Now, uh, he was sort of attached to the thing so it wasn't like he was going to go into the bottom of the abyss there and uh, fall like 1500 feet it was kind of treacherous to watch as uh, he was praying to god and as we've often referenced uh, probably the most uh, unusual aspect of that whole telecast what was a joel osteen was uh, assisting from a mental standpoint supposedly nick walenda as he went out there and he was giving him confidence and there were many god references like oh god and uh, he's in the middle of the Grand Canyon there, not looking too sure of himself, wearing a <laughs> pair of, like, ballet slippers and uh, holding a rod. But I, I think Joel Osteen is having his rod held by uh, Walenda's wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Keep going, Nick. Keep going. See, Joel Osteen, I mean, yeah, he's very good at what he does, I have to say. He's very good at what That's he does. True. When you watch those lectures, you start to believe that, uh, you know what, maybe Jesus can come and save me. But I don't think so. <laughs> No, that's a, that's a long time. time. Wake up with Defoe, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. Good to have you with us here on Appeal Yourself Off the Mad Monday. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby. Luby, it's the Defoe Show here on Ion Channel. And uh, later on, we will uh, connect uh, once again with the great John Kinchemi. I don't know that we'll have much to uh, talk about when it comes to football, but John, of course, also doubles as our golf analyst yes, here sir. on the program. And the PGA uh, presented a very, very painful for me and interesting landscape all the way around. I, I did consider, uh, I, I thought about taking Justin Thomas. He's always a factor. I thought maybe I'd switch it up a little bit. So uh, under the heading and the auspices of don't get cute, Luby, <laughs> I went ahead and I got cute. I took Dustin Johnson. Uh, I think you need a search warrant to find this. I don't even think Paulina Gretzky, <laughs> who's now married to Dustin Johnson, could find Johnson uh, after the second round of the tournament. I stuck another guy in there that was a stiff, Patrick Cantlay, who I uh, rationalized uh, had uh, played well uh, recently in a tournament where I think he won a tournament uh, where they uh, paired up two guys. They had like a teams event. And uh, Cantley and whoever his partner was ran away with it. And I thought, all right, the guy's uh, playing well. Uh, so he was 11 over after two days. Of course. And uh, it was Sayonara City. Uh, even Tiger was, was ahead of this guy who uh, blew a gasket there in round one, but uh, still managed to have all of his shots replayed later on by ESPN. As uh, yeah. they said, okay, let's uh, take a look at today's PGA action. So you got a guy who was four overs, hopelessly out of it. <laughs> He's going to be staggering to make the cut, although he did shoot one under the second day before uh, really. I mean, you talk about blowing a gasket, uh, sprung an oil leak. He needed JB uh, stop leak there. Was that the stuff uh, Andy Granatelli was selling? No, he, he was selling something else. Remember Andy Granatelli, the uh, race car driver? Sure. And uh, he would come out, uh, and he had like a raincoat, and he wasn't wearing any clothes, and uh, he had all of this... Uh, Forget what the uh, product it was, uh, but it was some unnecessary uh, automobile, automotive product that you could pour in your engine. It would make no difference whatsoever. But uh, he was hawking his stuff as if it was the salvation of every car that was ever made uh, in America, Japan, or Germany, or any other country, England, uh, anywhere in the world. And even that Yugo, I mean, if you poured this stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> Magic. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, what is it? Uh, Andy put up uh, STD. What was that? STD? STD. What is it? Was that an, uh, an oil or a gas? I remember. I don't know if it was called STD. I remember. I know what he's talking about. I don't know if it was called STD. Yeah, I STP. Think it's else when I think of STP. STD. It wasn't STD. Yeah. <laughs> That's another it was thing, STP. Andy. <laughs> That's what it was. STP. Yes, it wasn't that, STD. STP. <laughs> It does, you know, it usually <laughs> takes a lot to uh, throw me off of my game. Uh, now, we got off on, on a little late start here. There was some kind of a technical glitch, and, uh, you know, it's a peel yourself off the mat Monday. So uh, that, that might be, uh, to use uh, golf uh, vernacular, par for the course. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we, we've had all kinds of different things happen. I, I certainly have incurred just about every possible uh, thing that could go wrong uh, during the course of a broadcast. And uh, yet I, I've noticed this. The one thing that really throws me off my game and, and it really puts a, a damper on the start to any of my days. And just lately, uh, this has become a problem like uh, Saturday. And now it looks like today. I, I can't get my day started without my New York Post coming to the door. It bothers mm. me in a zillion different ways, Luby. Now, I'll go and gamble. I mean, uh, I think uh, between the Mustang and I, we took a nickel out to the uh, casino yesterday. She took a deuce and turned that into about 800 uh, nice. playing uh, slot machines. And uh, I had three sticks, turned that into about seven uh, playing the horses. So uh, we had a very nice day all the way around. And yet it, it bothers me that I'm paying $2 a day for this New York Post. <laughs> and when it doesn't get delivered. Yeah, but you need it. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it throws me like like into uh, convulsions almost. About, uh, A, the fact that, uh, I don't know, do they really give you the credit when they say you're going to get a credit for it? <laughs> that you have some automated thing you call, and a guy says, uh, if you'd like the uh, paper re-delivered, uh, you could have that done, which I use the op for, but they never bring it whenever they uh, miss the thing. And, and then, uh, you know, you could opt for having a credit, and then you could call back later. I guess I'm going to call today and fetch about these uh, credits that I'm due. Uh, do they really give it to you? How would I know? I, I don't know. Do I you do you know. really track like your newspaper delivery account? It was one thing when the paper was like a quarter and uh, when it was being delivered, it was like 10 cents a day. All right. So you can write that off yeah, or just shrug that off. But at two bucks a copy, plus, uh, I mean, my desperate need to consult odds and all of this other stuff, I, I really, uh, you know, it throws me off uh, worse than, uh, you know, blown remotes. Uh, not being able to connect with station, having the program director call in the middle of the show and tell you that uh, if you don't stop doing this right now, <laughs> that's going to be it. They're going to pull the plug. I told the story about how I pulled the plug in the middle of a show once uh, while getting a call, an obnoxious call from a meddling program director who didn't know what he was doing anyway. Right. Exactly. I mean, uh, you have no respect for the guy and then he's telling you what to do. And he's telling you what to do in the middle of a show. And, and you're thinking to yourself, uh, that that's it. That's the end. Yep. Pull the plug. I remember pulling a cord right out from uh, the socket there at uh, Toyota of Hollywood. Uh, I, I've been in rainstorms. I, I've held two wires together. None of this stuff really, uh, you know, shakes me up. But if I don't get my newspaper, I'm not the same person for like the next several hours until I resolve the issue. <laughs> and the only resolution is to go down a block there and pay another two bucks exactly. and just buy a copy of it on the newsstand. At least you get the full color once uh, you get the uh, later edition. A anyway. Uh, a lot of stuff uh, to cover in a short period of time. Uh, where do you want to begin, with the good news or the bad news, uh, Mike Louie Lubitz? So where would you like to start? I'd rather today? do good news, but we'll probably go bad news because it's more personal. <laughs> Negativity sells in the sports talk industry, and uh, boy, do we have reason to bitch. Uh, 
Although, I, I don't know. How do you look at this? Uh, would you say, uh, you know, the Panthers made progress by no. making it into the second round of the NHL Stanley Cup chase? Uh, now, you have to win four rounds to win the thing. So, uh, pretty far off. Uh, they did get out of the first round for the first time, but didn't look too comfortable doing it, no. didn't they? Did they, they look like somebody that had to go to the bathroom the entire time <laughs> they were sitting at dinner? <laughs> but didn't want to get up because exactly. they didn't want to go take a dump in a public bathroom uh, while eating dinner there. You know, that gets a little obnoxious. And then you come out of the stall and there's somebody else in the bathroom. And they're just combing their hair and they're like, whoa, man. Get a little fiber in your diet. Why don't you? I mean, <laughs> try some wheat, anything. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you talk about just uh, feeling very awkward. It, it was very uncomfortable getting out of that first round. Uh, the Panthers uh, ended up winning the series in six games uh, against uh, what people deemed to be the lowly capitals who yes. weren't half bad. They were fine. Right? And, and there's always a misnomer about this for some reason because does it not look like if you transition to the NBA – what was the conversation all season long, Mike Luby-Lubitz, about the balance between the East and the West? Yep. The West uh, normally considered to be superior. I mean, uh, they have Steph Curry over there with the Golden State Warriors, nice configuration of talent around him. You had LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the Lakers, and they get Westbrook this year. Uh, you had uh, the Phoenix Suns who went to the finals last year and seemed to be blossoming in that mode where I didn't realize Devin Booker's actually been in the league. This is his seventh season. He's been around a while. He's still wow. young, but he's been around a while. Yep. All right, so they've had Aiton for a couple of years. They've had Chris Paul on the roster for a couple of years. They have other players that uh, they have developed themselves that, you know, were, were servicing uh, themselves. So, you know, my player providing nice service for the uh, team in terms of contributions uh, and rounding out uh, what looked to be a very formidable roster. Uh, they're already gone from the playoffs. And all year long, all you heard about was uh, how much depth there was in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. And now it looks uh, kind of ironic that uh, you would have to say – Based on what we've seen so far, looks like the Heat and Celtics might battle all the way oh, through a game seven. And they have a game four, a pivotal game four tonight, Louis. Yes. You would have to concede Definitely. that this game would be pivotal. Yes. And and then uh, Golden State looks like they're breezing uh, their way, not only through Dallas, but, uh, I mean, you would have to consider them the favorites over either the Celtics or the Heat, would you not, with home court advantage and the way that they're playing right now? Yes. Up-tempo game, uh, making a lot of threes. Steph Curry seems to be razor sharp. He had uh, been injured and compromised throughout much of the season, impeded by a variety of different things uh, in terms of his uh, physical health, and uh, seems to be very much on his game right now. He's hitting those 50-footers like he was in the All-Star game. Yep. And no matter what Luka Doncic uh, comes up with for the Dallas Mavericks, uh, they haven't been able to really come close no, they don't have uh, to the Golden State Warriors. Even when they had like a 20-point lead in they game did. number two, that, that dissipated quickly, and they ended up losing by double digits, a uh, pretty uh, convincing margin. And uh, they lose at home in uh, game number three. So it, it does appear that uh, the championship, I, I don't want to concede it already to uh, Golden State, but after all the conversation about how great the Eastern Conference was in the NBA, how ironic is it that uh, not only is it very possible, distinctly uh, possible, that the champion will come from the West, but that it won't even be the Phoenix Suns who yeah. had the best record all season long in the NBA. So yep. uh, that, that's a weird one. And I, I'm not sure uh, how people feel. I, I guess uh, a lot of people thought it was a one-horse race in the Western Conference in the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche looking like a dominant team, while uh, there were any number of teams, including the Capitals, that uh, you could have given slight consideration to. I don't know that they were going to win the Cup, but they certainly weren't a, a total uh, set up. I mean, it wasn't like it was a patsy for the uh, Panthers in the first round of the playoffs. So they stagger through that. 
Uh, they go over what was that? 22 on a power play during the capital series yep. and then managed to work that all the way up to Oh, for 25 when they finally get a power play goal in game number three. Now they lost the first two at home. There's an outside shot, right? You can come back. The Rangers were down 0-2. They, they won on their home ice after getting back uh, from Carolina, losing the first two games of the series. But at least they were in a, a battle. I mean, a dogfight. It was a war between the uh, Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the Lightning seem to be breezing through this thing. Do they not? Yes. And I mean, uh, 4-1 in game number one. Uh, game number, uh, The Panthers have what? Three goals in the whole series? No, three, three total. goals in three games. Three total goals, yes. The best offense in 25 team. years. Yeah, they were averaging over four goals a game. Only team to do it. Uh, you know, that equates out to 12 goals. So uh, three is uh, 25% efficiency on what they were doing in the regular season. And I think it's going to bring up an interesting question. A couple of them, too. Uh, number uh, one, does Mike Mayo, the gambling gourmet, who uh, sarcastically and cynically predicted that the lightning would sweep. And uh, after he did that, I said, you know what, Mike? Yeah, they may. You might be onto something. <laughs> they may. As far-fetched as that sounds, it's probably not that unrealistic. It's not. <laughs> and now it's definitely not. But even then, after that first game, it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking of Andy, man, I don't know if Andy's a hedge fund guy, but, uh, you know, he, he does play the stock market all he day He's a long. hedge funder. That's him. So would you not be in a perfect position to hedge? For the life of me, I, I, I don't know how desperately I've searched for this, but uh, I've casually tried to figure out what, what it was that the odds were uh, being given for the Tampa Bay Lightning to sweep. If you had gone before the series and said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and plunge on the sweep by Tampa Bay. I'm thinking you had to get at least 10 to 1 and maybe a little bit higher. No, like 12 to 1 on something like that. I mean, a sweep. The Panthers should have at a least. Sweep. You would a not sweep. assume a sweep. Like, they were the number like, one. If you took like, uh, Lightning and four, what kind of price were you getting? It had to be at least 10 to 1. It had to no? be insane. I mean, to predict a sweep in any series is rough, especially hockey, let alone when the number one seed is taking on their rival for the second year, da, 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 all the stuff that went into it. You would you never have thought a sweep. No, that no. should have been nuts. No, no, it may not happen. I don't know. Maybe I the Lightning just mail one in in game number four, and ah. all those people who are about to cash in on the sweep, uh, you know, are sitting there ready to pop a cyanide cap, much like Mike Mayo might be uh, wanting to do, because uh, could you get in a better position as a gambler than you're getting 10 to 1? I mean, uh, we talked about this with Mark Lawrence on our Degenerate Friday shows, where uh, even Mark Lawrence, who is very astute when it comes to, I mean, uh, there are a couple of elements to go into any form of degeneracy one of which I have zero ability to uh, go ahead and, and practice, and that is two key words, uh, Luby, money management. Ah, I was going to say restraint. Money management. <laughs> All right. A smart gambler is thinking about, you know, is he getting a quality you know, value for his investment yes. and, and looking at it as an investment? Yes. And saying, all right, I, I know I'm going to lose games. I know I'm going to take tough beats. But yes. uh, in general, I'm pretty confident in my selections and my research and whatever data that I'm basing my uh, picks on, whether it's gut instinct or, you know, a legitimate, uh, you know, saber metrics and all of this stuff. I mean, the numerology that goes into it today has to have some kind of merit, does it not? If, if you can connect on the right approach because uh, look these guys that are making the lines are, are too accurate for you not to believe in a little bit of the statistical foundation that goes into making odds does that seem like a fair statement yeah for sure 
I mean, you've seen it yourself. I don't know that you would have cared one way or the other. Like if I brought this up and you said, hey, what are you talking about, Tifo, uh, years ago. But after watching this for a long period of time, it's absolutely amazing how accurate these numbers oh, are. they're on it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the way to beat the game, one way to beat the game would be to come up with your own numbers that are even better than, uh, you know, and, and this well, is not easy to, to do. But if you can find an area where you, you just excel at beating the number that's put out by the line makers who are making a number also with regard to which way the public is going to go. And uh, they're not uh, necessarily trying to overwhelmingly influence the public one way or the other because they want the betting to be balanced. Yes. All right. So if they're giving you three and a half points tonight with the uh, Miami Heat, if the Celtics are favored, I don't know what the line is on tonight's game, but um, I'm thinking the Celtics are probably favored. And I'm actually thinking the Celtics probably find a way to win. Although you saw uh, Marcus Smart, a a key player uh, in uh, any kind of uh, success that they might have or, or, or looking to have. I mean, he looked like his ankle was ready to come off there when he fell underneath Kyle Lowry in uh, that game. And uh, Jimmy Butler's status is uh, sort of like a game-time decision. This yeah. is fun. I, the odds, this is the first time the oddsmakers have felt like the national media. I, I, and I get it again because we saw what happened the last time that he were up a game. <laughs> the Celtics are favored by six and a hook. Six and a half tonight. I, if I'm the Heat, I go out there and I beat them by 30. Like, this is a fucking joke. Like, this is actually getting to be absurd. Six and a half. Like, the Heat were down Jimmy Butler a whole half. The refs were as bad as I've ever. Like, Donaghy in that series with the Lakers Kings was more on the up and up than the Celtics, than the refs were in this series. Donaghy would have looked like Mandy Rudolph. The refs, you know. there's no one that wasn't. Like, even the announcers were like, wow, that was a weird call. Like, the refs were yeah. really bad, and they, and they weren't even hiding it. And the Heat still were up. Outside of that one stretch where they cut it to one point, by double digits most of the game, and it's six and a... Look, I get it what the Heat did in that game, too, at home. The Celtics should win, but six and a hook. I mean, after you just won... Six and a half is one, a lot of points. That's I mean, a lot, I would be tempted to take those with and the Smart may be out, because... and Tatum may be out, and the Celtics look haggard. Okay, okay. That, that's a lot. But maybe go money line. Now, oddly, and I, I doubt that that's the case tonight, uh, but I didn't get a chance because uh, this guy is stiffing me from my New York Post, so I didn't get a chance to look at the odds there as I was getting ready for the show. But uh, the Lightning, I think, have been underdogs in every game in this series, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in, in their series against the uh, Florida Panthers, who who are, are laying like a giant Rodan-sized egg, are they not? You can hear it coming down from the skies there. What is that, a bird, a plane? No, it's the Panthers uh, puking on uh, an opportunity here. So uh, the, the odds of them coming back to win four in a row, no, no. you would have to think Blutarski City. No, 0.0. I, I, the odds to see them win one. The games are back-to-back. They play again today. <laughs> like, after they just got yeah. bludgeoned yesterday. Like, the Lightning are at home, and they're now must be cocky. See them win a game. That, that's the only games. thing. I mean, uh, maybe uh, the Panthers catch a fluke here. But, but uh, you know, if you were Mike Mayo and, and you had had the, uh, you know, sense, and, uh, you know, he's even using our quote, which is true. It's the bets that you whiff on. Oh, yeah. The ones that you don't make that you have a conviction about that seem absurd. Everybody else is telling you you're crazy, right? That you have to go ahead and make those bets. Just like uh, when I whiffed on that bet on Meshuggah. And it turned out to be a seven five exact on top of that. Uh, you know what? What am I always using? What what Jewish uh, you know terminology am I most inclined to pull out of my uh, hat and, and use in a show? Meshuggah, yes, one of the key uh, Jewish slang words uh, yes. for uh, crazy, nuts, yep, inexplicable, yep. 
And uh, you know, horse goes off with the name of Sugar, and it goes off at 50 to 1. I don't you have a dime on him. Yeah. Uh, he's a seven ball, the five runs second, my birthday numbers. And uh, there it was. I mean, for like six bucks, I could have picked up three or four thousand. Would have been great. Well, but why would I do that? No, because I'd much rather uh, lose on some one to two shot, <laughs> being him on top when he runs dead last in a field of five. You know, like the Phantom Plunger we were talking about, where you got fifty grand to show on Lem High Gold. Las Barrera hasn't finished off the board in any race at Santa Anita in the last five years, and sure enough, <laughs> even with the shoe in the saddle, there, Lafitte Pink guy, he can't get up third in a four horse field. Unbelievable. Or it was a five horse field that day, and all fifty grand goes out the window. Now you got to go back to square one and win your next twenty five bets before you're making a profit again. That seems like a very prohibitive way to make money. I mean, wouldn't that have to be like a one shot deal? Like you put all your money, you're like Mark Wahlberg in the remake of The Gambler, and he puts you know like three hundred thousand on black. And you're thinking, yeah, that's a good move. I've seen that being done though. Have you walked by roulette wheels? I, I love watching other people get buried. Yep. Especially when I've already lost all my money gambling, so I really can't participate myself anymore because the ATM machine is locked up until midnight. <laughs> you guys have done this, I know, right? Oh, right. So they're watching our show. 11.15? Uh, uh, okay, I think I'll go for a walk, sweetheart. Uh, you disappear for 45 minutes in a 12.01 as soon as they drop the gavel on a new day. You're there picking up that $500 limit that you have on your ATM card or whatever it is. I mean, what, what's your limit on your ATM card, Libby? It this used to always be 500 I haven't pushed it. I don't really take out that much cash, but it yeah. always was 500 I don't know what it is now. I mean, I, I, I don't think it would ever carry cash if I didn't gamble. I, I guess, <laughs> you know, you have to dole out a few tips here and there. But, uh, you know, like if you take an Uber, I'm giving a guy an extra fin. I don't know. Is that too cheap? No, but you can do it on the – see, you can do everything digital. Like when you pay via card, you put the tip there, including Uber. I just like to hand a guy cash right at the beginning, too. So this way he realizes, <laughs> sure okay, he gets these you, guys right? aren't complete stiffs. <laughs> Establish that you're not a stiff, right? I mean, if you go into a bar, like uh, if you're going to the track, right, and you're going to sit at a guy's bar all day and, you know, you're going to take up a seat for four or five hours. Uh, their move is go Jimmy Conway, right? Just uh, shovel a 20 right right in the oh, bartender's yeah. hand before you even get started. And then you might even tip them on the check also. Yeah, and they take care you're of you. You're saying, hey, hey, you know, hey, buddy, I mean, uh, I'm going to be here all day. So uh, here you go. Make yep. some money. Take care of And me. this yep. way, to ensure proper service, right? All of a sudden, they're not ignoring you anymore, right? You're 20 bucks. It's just like that thing in uh, Bronx Tale. Where, uh, you know, he tells uh, C that, uh, listen, for 20 bucks, if that guy's out of your life, but for you can't get a better bargain. Yeah, it's worth it. So let him go with the $20. Quit chasing him for it. And then just realize you're far better off by, uh, you know, yep. paying 20 bucks to get rid of this guy uh, once and for all. It, it works in reverse, too. I mean, uh, a little gratuity at the front, right out of the chute. Bingo. Yep. Everybody knows that, uh, okay, I can count on you every time that you're here. Yep. And, and it works out well. So. Uh, anyway, uh, the bets that you don't make. Wow. I mean, that had to be 10 to one. You'd be in a position now. What would you do if you had a hundred dollars on it to win a thousand, which uh, would have been realistic, right? Or even 50. I mean, if you had bet 50 on a sweep to win 500, uh, what would you do tonight? Would you bet a hundred on, uh, the Panthers and this way you, uh, you win 900 or whatever it is, 800 profit uh, if the lightning sweep. And uh, you don't lose if the uh, Panthers happen yeah, to maybe, win Yeah, maybe you put your money down just to make sure you don't lose. Because, I mean, that's not some huge score that you've been dealing with all year long. Yeah. And, like, you're, you're going to win 20 grand and you've been dealing with it for four months. Do you really not win a few thousand? That I get. This, I mean, it's literally been a few days and... 
you're only going to win a grand or 500. Like, you don't want to dip into that too much. But I guess I could see putting your uh, you money. You would want to come out of the been a winner because you were right. Yeah, you don't want to be net, you know, you don't want to, because the, the lightning mail game, you were on it. <laughs> like you Yeah, you don't, you don't want to end up losing 100. That's why we always had arguments with Jersey Kyle. I guess right? he go even. Yeah. He, he felt that was the ultimate sign of wimpdom. <laughs> Hedge hedge all. Don't ever hedge. Even if he was in a position uh, where <laughs> he could have hedged on 300, still been in a brilliant place. Yeah. And, and made himself a couple of hundred dollars if he lost. And that, yeah. That's the thing. You actually lose the bet if they don't sweep. Yes. But you're in a position to uh, compensate yourself for that and actually make a smaller profit, but nonetheless a profit. Yeah. Because you got to this position. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a bad spot to be in. I mean, <laughs> if you uh, wheeled a horse in a race... And uh, you see on the board there, well, geez, if the favorite wins, I'm a dead man. I, I don't know. Do you hedge off and bet a few bucks on the favorite to win the race? Maybe to compensate for the yes. fact that uh, you're, you're going to get safe. clobbered if yep. this horse wins the race. But, you know, you were right about the. Uh, it's it's always a debatable proposition to, to hedge or not to hedge. As as we've said, and, and you've heard the clip on the show, uh, Shakespeare was into this, right? Shakespeare was a degenerate. <laughs> to be or not to be had nothing to do with, uh, you know, any Love kind of philosophy whatever, about yeah. life. Strictly had to do with to hedge or not to hedge. It was just a different <laughs> way of putting it. And I guess they didn't call it hedging back then. Exactly. <laughs> what did those guys bet on, man? Uh, whether uh, over or under, or whether you'd live to be 35. I mean, they bet, they bet that would be pretty well. All right, a lot to do on the program. The PGA was kind of interesting. Uh, you had this uh, guy, this long shot. He was 175 to 1. And I he never was heard winning his name. And, and he had the lead on the 18th hole. I didn't see the conclusion of this. I, I tuned in. Uh, I got home uh, while, while the, they were already in the playoff there, which was a oh, three-hole oh, aggregate score win? playoff. So there was a guy, uh, Mito Pereira. Mito Pereira. Pereira didn't win? I'm so confused. When no. I looked at it last night, it was nighttime, and they had him won, so I thought it was done. It wasn't done? No, El Finito, man, for him. Uh, he gets to 18, and he pulled uh, kind of a Jean Vandeveld. Oh, jeez. I mean, he didn't have uh, what seemed lead. to be an insurmountable lead. He was leading by a stroke. Everybody yeah. was falling apart. Nobody was really knocking it out of the park or anything. And uh, so, and you know, you can have a couple of guys chasing you that, uh, you know, it was Zalatoris is a guy that looks like he's ready to break through and win uh, one of these major events. And of course, uh, Justin Thomas, surprisingly, I, I think that's only his second major and his last one was 2017's PGA. And that was his only other major. Is that possible? Mike Luby Lubitz, Justin Thomas. Sounds about right. He's flirted with it, but he, he always seems to, you know... Something happens. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, and he was one of the favorites to uh, win uh, going in this year. Uh, he was playing very well uh, so far this season and obviously extremely consistent. Scotty Scheffler uh, was a hot guy, and uh, he, he shot himself out of the thing, I think, by the uh, the second day. It was improbable yeah. that he was going to win. And, uh, you know, then this guy came out of nowhere, Mito Pereira. He's 175 to 1. Imagine if you had 175 to 1. You, you just oh, took a flyer yeah. on the guy. I never even heard of him. I didn't know he I've was a pro golfer. Did you? I never heard that name. I'm like, who's Pereira? Might have been his first uh, entrance uh, in a major. I, I know Mike Pereira. Do you know Mike Pereira? Well, isn't that the guy, the ref guy, right? No, Mike Pereira is uh, the guy that uh, was in the band that uh, did oh, the song man. Inagata De Vida. Oh. Remember that? And he also did uh, sitting. No, and what was that? Uh, not sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah, that was Otis Redding. Uh, that was uh, that was uh, <laughs> Soul Redding. Guy. Uh, Otis Redding. <laughs> Otis Redding. Yeah. No, but he had something like that. 
yeah. What was that? Da, 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 yeah, Mike Pereira is the ref guy too. Mike Pereira is the guy for Fox. That's annoying. Oh with, yeah, with yeah. The glasses. Yeah. These guys, these refs that they hire to analyze the plays. I mean, that is the most pathetic waste of money. <laughs> You you realize why you were booing them when they were refs, Don Koharski? <laughs> Our buddy in the chat said ref. Yeah, so I don't know the Pereira you're talking about. Who but... who was the Flyers coach that uh, was yelling at Koharski? It's a oh, classic good. moment in uh, hockey history time. where uh, he, he got screwed by Koharski. He was a pretty prominent referee in the NHL. I mean, he, he might have been the Ed Hockley of NHL officials where he, he was extremely recognizable. And uh, Koharski... Uh, but was reffing a game, and, and the Flyers uh, coach is so pissed off, and they're walking out towards the uh, locker room, the dressing room, and uh, the Flyers coach turns around to Koharski as uh, he's walking out into the area there where, where he's going to, uh, you know, use the locker room, and, and he uh, screams, have another donut, Koharski, who was a little bit rotund by uh, NHL official standards. Uh, classic, man. You probably find this clip on YouTube. But have another. Th and that's all I can ever think of when I see Koharski, who's now one of these uh, refs for uh, networks are doing hockey that you didn't even know uh, they knew what shape the puck was. Right. TNT, TBS. And they're showing the games. But um, usually these officials say nothing conclusive. And uh, is it not irritating to have the official come on and, and just say exactly the opposite of what you just saw occurred? And, uh, you know, agree with uh, whatever the call was that, that was being made at the time. They, they rarely would say, man, did so-and-so blow that call? It would be nice to hear once in a while, yes. wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Make me happy. You know, me hating the refs. I'd love for someone, the announcers to actually agree with it when it's blatant. Yeah. You're saying that the refs were the sixth man. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't just me. And you know me, I'm well the worst. Out Hondo it was all over time. Twitter, all over networks. I mean... Outside of the ESPN, which is massively in the tank for Boston because they're in Connecticut, um, it was very clear how every anyone who watched that game saw what was trying. Look, the 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 free throws with four minutes left was like twenty eight to five. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a disparity there. You would have to think uh, they, they had missed a few things at the other end of the court. Well, they want the Celtics to win, don't you know that? Oh, for uh, sure. It's, it's a better story. You think the NBA story. wants the Heat in the finals against Golden State? Nah, nah. I mean, you should. They, no, they want Boston, Golden State. That's what they want. Yes, that's what they want. Adam 100%. Silver is doing everything in his power to arrange that and make They're sure trying. that happens. <laughs> They're trying. Yeah. The FanDuel people want it. Everybody wants it. There'll be more action. Uh, oh, the Heat yeah. are, uh, for some reason, without LeBron James. They don't matter, yeah. Not a very romantic uh, matchup there for, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, they, they bury their games. And, you know, you're not usually seeing them uh, featured on ABC. Were they on uh, ABC? Uh, yes, Saturday yesterday? was, okay. Saturday was yeah. ABC, yeah. All right, very good. All right, uh, a lot to cover, though. Uh, Dave Hyde's going to join us. Uh, he's got the perspective on the local scene. So a disaster for the Panthers and Mike Mayo. Didn't bet the sweep. Uh, Would have taken a lot of balls to go ahead and do that. Uh, you can't really blame a guy for not thinking it was going to happen. But he came up with the idea. And as we said, sometimes in gambling, you know, we're always screaming about coaches making adjustments, uh, Luby. Sometimes you just have to make an adjustment, don't you? And realize that, uh, you know what? I wasn't wrong. This team is going to get embarrassed. But it just wasn't going to happen in that first round because uh, they were just too prohibitive a favorite and, and a better team overall than the Washington Capitals. Playing poorly, they still beat the Capitals in six games. Think about that for a second, Luby. Yep. So they were much better than the Capitals uh, yes. as a team. Uh, didn't look great. Uh, but was that not an indicator that uh, here, here comes trouble? 
It's, uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't a good sign. out of the corner there against Cinderella, man. All of a sudden saying, OK, it's time to stop fooling around. And uh, the Lightning uh, had everything click in, even after that seven game bloodbath against the Toronto. Yeah, they screwed Maple around Leafs. early, but they came on late in that series. And Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in hockey and has the Panthers numbers. It's not even close. Making some brilliant saves there. Uh, has limited the Panthers to three goals in three games. They finally got a power play goal. That was great. And then got crushed like a yeah, great. <laughs> give him four more. <laughs> so, yeah, his Pereira thing, uh, just to finish that thought, uh, yeah. and he's on 18. I, I didn't see the uh, meltdown, but uh, I guess he hits one into the trees and uh, or out of bounds, and uh, he, he ends up out of the playoff. He doesn't even make the playoff, which uh, Zalatoris and uh, Justin Thomas end up in, in a three-hole aggregate score playoff, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Louie? Three holes. You play another three holes. And then uh, whoever has the lowest score gets it. So it's not a one whole sudden death thing. Yeah, but I hate when they do another. So do you want another eighteen? You want to next? Don't they do that where they will play another round? Like to me, that's uh, U.S. Excessive. Open used to do that. I don't believe they do that anymore. That's a lot. The U.S. Open. Yeah, I think I, like another round. Like that's a lot. The, I, that was always weird. I mean, uh, did we get Mike Donald on the show that one time? Or uh, remember we uh, met him at the even keel? Came yes, out there, yes, Mike yes, Donald, yes, yes, yes. Uh, we had him in person at the keel. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and and he had one of those deals where uh, he, he was in an 18-hole playoff That's after uh, an impossible. I mean, he, he played well uh, in, in the final round. And this was a Cinderella story. I mean, this was like a journeyman golfer who was on the threshold of losing his tour card. And he wins the uh, U.S. Open, and he's good for the next 10 years, a 10-year exemption, which means that uh, even if you're just kind of mid-pack in some of these tournaments, you're, you're making a lot of money as compared to maybe going on tour in Mexico, right? Uh, here we are for the Tijuana Open. And, uh, wow, former PGA card holder Mike Donald out of Hollywood, Florida. He's got an excellent shot to win this thing. Like, what? So now you're paying, playing for, like, uh, you know, 2500 if you win the thing instead of, like, $2.5 It wasn't that high back then. But uh, Hale Irwin, I, I guess, uh, did he end up in the playoff with Hale Irwin? Was that the one where maybe. Irwin wearing those stupid green Sanzibel slacks? <laughs> Was running around the green there, high fiving everybody, while uh, Donald was slumped over in the scorer's tent, realizing that this guy had come back. And uh, I, I think did he have to go eighteen? It must have been eighteen against Hale Irwin the next day, and he lost that. Yeah. Real tough. That's a lot to me. Yeah, guys remember like every shot, but that that's a crushing blow. Uh, yes. This this wasn't quite Vandeveld. Where Vanderbilt was leading by three, wasn't he, in the British Open? The he had French a pretty Open. secure lead. He had the kind of lead where people were not assuming it would be touched. He he literally could have taken his putter. That's what people were saying, yeah. He could have four putters. He, he had like six shots to work with on a par four, closing out the British Open. And instead, uh, he went tin cup yep. and uh, takes the driver out, uh, ends up in some horrible spot, puts the ball in the moat. Remember that? When he rolled his pants up? I mean, how pathetic did that look? Oddly, he ended up in a playoff, Vandeveld, yes. where, where he subsequently lost as well. Because yes. uh, somehow when things start to disintegrate yeah, and yeah. fall apart, people, have you noticed this? It keeps going. It's hard to stop the bleeding. Yep. You could have all the adrenaline in the world. You could have Jacob Stitch Duran in your corner, and <laughs> it's hard to stop the bleeding. Well, that was what was so impressive about the Heat Saturday, because once Butler was out for the second half, I wrote it off. And they somehow maintained the 15-point lead going into the fourth. And I'm like, look, even when they lose this game, that's impressive. Good for them. And then the Celtics cut it to one with, was it like four or five minutes left? And it's like, okay, it's over. And then Shrews hits a three, and it's like, oh, shit, they may not lose this game. Like, usually when it steamrolls like that, 
and your out butler, and then Smart and Tatum have these injuries where they're crying and they get carried off, and a minute later they come back, which is sort of weird to come back when you were crying a minute ago, to then hit the next three baskets and then go back up by eight and win is weird sports-wise. Usually once it, the meltdown uh, happens, you lose. I tell you what was weird was I, I, I don't watch the game. I was out. Oh, you and, missed it. It was uh, crazy. Yeah. And, and, and so <laughs> I, I'm looking. I saw the final score was like 109-101. Yep. So later, uh, I guess I woke up or in the middle of the night and ESPN was replaying the game or somebody was. Yeah, ESPN. And I, I, it must have been ESPN because I don't think TNT replays these basketball games late at night. No, no. All right, so like four in the morning, I wake up and uh, I, I see there's like three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So I figure I'll watch it and see what happened. But but they must have scored like twenty points in the last minute and a half of that game. Yes. Both teams, yes, somehow because uh, it, it was like ninety seven, you know, ninety, yeah, and, and then it ended up being one hundred nine, one hundred one. Literally, there was like less than two minutes to go in a ball game, yeah, and they hadn't hit a hundred points yet. So that was kind of weird. Uh, the way that transpired, well, they, they, but, uh, they were fouling the yeah. heat, and then they were hitting. They hit like two. They hit three threes, I think, the Celtics. So they actually kept scoring, even though they were down definitively. All right. Anyway, uh, the Heat uh, now a pivotal uh, game four huh? on, on top <laughs> there tonight. You there you go. Pivotal six and a hook uh, with the Boston Celtics seems like a very generous That's allotment insane. of points. What well, what is that telling you that nobody believes that no. this uh, Miami Heat team could possibly? Uh, you know, be doing what they're doing uh, so far in this series. Uh, you, you would think without Smart in there, that, that makes a huge difference. We saw that for the Celtics. They haven't said and, yet that he's not playing from what I know. I just – what's interesting is the injury was it, really it bad. aesthetic to our play in this game tonight just based on what, what I saw. I mean, it looked really bad. He came back out, but, again, a lot of the time we know when the injury first happens, it hasn't swollen yet. So a lot yeah. of times, like, guys have played on ACLs because they didn't know it yet, and then the next day it hits, and then it's hard to get back out there. I, I don't know. I mean, it looked rough. Like it, it literally he landed on the turned ankle and then like landed on it. But then he came back a minute later. So who the hell knows? They've said that he's uh, questionable. Whatever that means. They could probably uh, drill three holes in his ankle uh, tonight and use it as a bowling ball. Be like something you find on the racks at Don yeah, exactly. Carter Lane's. <laughs> That's the worst when that thing blows up. Yep. Marty the Party Sacks uh, rolled an ankle in a basketball game, a recreational game, and he's been out for two months. There you go. Can't walk, man. I mean, uh, you know, so uh, this Mark is smart, obviously in a better condition than, uh, you know, a, a nearing septuagenarian Marty the Party Sacks. But you got to say, Marty's in pretty good shape if he's running full with, uh, you know, so, so many younger yeah, guys yeah. that are out there at that park. Although it's not exactly like a regulation size court. Pretty much when you inbound the ball, you're at the midcourt stroke. <laughs> Even if you just like do one of those little dump off bounce passes to a guy who's coming back to the uh, yeah. inbounder. All right, um, Hylia Park. Wow, oh, what a great place. The Preakness, uh, we didn't mention that. Mike Mayo did hit that with early voting. He gave that out on his Yeah, show. I remember here, okay, because Segreto hit it too. And I was trying to remember, I'm like, I feel like we, between Caton, Mayo, and Segreto, we talked about early voting. Like, it wasn't this time well, where we totally missed the vote. Well, help talk about him. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, second choice in the wagering. Yeah. Uh, although it didn't go off. That It was the weirdest betting uh race i've ever seen in terms of fenwick the 50 to one shot yeah people loved fenwick. everybody thought the owner was just like some crackpot uh, you know trying to write a little don quixote type of story uh, was bet down to like i think it might have gone off 10 to 1 but early on was like 7 to 1 from 50 to 1 morning line that that yeah, people that's unusual you're, you're yeah. thinking this has to be some kind of maryland juice special uh to uh, have that that kind of uh, odds uh, tumble 
from 50 to 1 down to 7 to 1, a couple hours to post time. Uh, Skippy Longstocking, who if he had gotten up to third, which he was a non-menacing like fifth, Skippy Longstocking, named after my dog, um, what was bet down also well, was 20 to 1 morning line and uh, went off like 8 or 9 to oh, 1. Oh, wow. Uh, you, you had, uh, you, had uh, you know, the, the favorite go off at uh, a reasonable price and... What, what would have been better, right? Then they just go ahead and backwheel the favorite again. Luby, there you go. Yeah, it didn't work out. Didn't Epicenter, like, totally fall off the face of the earth? No, Epicenter ran second. Oh, it did uh, run second. Okay. And uh, the, the, the exotics, though, weren't anything like the uh, Derby because there were, A, less horses, and B, it wasn't the bomb that it's won the race with the early voting. So uh, you ended up getting, though, $13.40 in the win with the early voting, which was a very, very good price for yeah, a second a choice in a race like that in a nine-horse field. And... I had the pleasure, after the fact, of realizing that uh, I had hit the race, uh, courtesy of my pool money with the Scataway Ray. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he said he didn't have any great feeling for the race, so uh, he was supposed to put up 200 uh, for the two of us, uh, as I did in the Derby. And he went out and made the bet, but he only bet like 60 bucks. <laughs> so I said, well, we'll bet something else, you know. I, I told him uh, maybe box an exactor for 20 or something. At least put 100 in. We'll have 100 left over from the pool money for the Belmont. Yeah, uh, but instead he went back and put a hundred to win on early voting. Nice. So I ended up cashing on that, which uh, was good. Uh, so That's I'm ahead good. now for the Triple Crown series. So nice. be after all of our betching about all uh, them but, but you know you can't make up for the whiff on the uh, back wheel. Much like Mayo will never make up for this whiff. <laughs> I'm the sweep. He'll go to his grave <laughs> lamenting the fact that he didn't bet the Tampa Bay Lightning to uh, sweep. Yeah, he was right. Uh, anyway, just one series that- off. What's that? He was right by the Panthers, just one series off. One series off, and uh, what was even more, uh, would have been more satisfying and gratifying for him and his despising of the uh, Panther executive, Doug Sifu, what would have been that uh, it, it was an even more embarrassing fashion that they won the first round and then got to the second and looked like dog. Yeah. It's, dog me. It isn't, you can't wipe away that first series thing if you're going to get swept the second round. Like it actually sort of and, and you're saying they're going to, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think they get rid of this coach because he's one of the three finalists for coach of the year. And I think they're going to embrace the fact that they yes, had this dumb. wonderful regular season and come out with some kind of statement that, well, you know what? The Lightning are tough. Okay. Two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, obviously, if they beat the Panthers, they're in a good position to do it again and, and make it three in a row. And that's, uh, you know, Islander risk type of stuff. Yep. Even going back in the day to like the uh, great Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, the, the Oilers, league. the whole thing. Yep. But uh, I don't know that there's any great satisfaction in that. No, uh, I no. would I would be inclined to say if you could get a guy like Barry Trotz, who's I'm... a proven veteran, grizzled coach who knows. I mean, much like Joel Quenville was to them when they went yes. out of their way to get him. Look, look, Although Trotz, I don't think is immersed, uh, doesn't have scandal. his toes in any scandal that's going to pop up after 12 years like this Kyle Beach thing did. So anyway, uh, this is all uh, a prelude to uh, telling you about how wonderful Hylia Park yes. is. And how great it was. I mean, uh, you know, it's really wonderful to have a place that understands where the player is coming from and can accommodate what it is that you really need, which is plentiful opportunity to make your wages right up to post time for uh, all of the races, including the big ones like the Belmont, like the Preakness uh, and uh, like previously the Kentucky Derby, where it was real easy to get your money down right up to post time for the Derby. And in other places, uh, even if you just wanted to cash a ticket and leave, I was online for uh, over half an hour just trying to uh, get my money so I could get out of uh, the uh, paramutual facility that I was at where I was plunging earlier in the afternoon. Happens to be very close to the house. Uh, Let's uh, face it. It was once known as the Isle Casino. 
and now a name a subject to change. And, and I think they do a decent job there, but it's nothing like Hialeah. Oh, yeah. Because you don't have these days where it's just a dead snag. When, when you need the most cooperation that you could possibly get. Where they're out of racing forms, and they're out of this, and uh, you can't get the drinks that you want. Uh, you know, you're, you're waiting online at the bar there, no one ever comes. Uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic, uh, Hylia Park, that the way they uh, treat the horse player, the way they te- uh, treat the player in general, you get a player's card when you come through the door, and it gives you all kinds of entitlements, all kinds of amenities, a lot of free play, a lot of great opportunities, discounts on all kinds of things. And, and uh, they put together a nice entertainment package for you, too, where, where people are dancing their eyeballs out Friday and Saturday night and uh, just having a good time. The vibe alone is worth experiencing at Hialeah Park. So whether you're playing the horses, playing poker, playing the casino games there, Steve Calibro has it rocking in the casino, or you're just looking to uh, go out and have a good time, special events, whatever it is, make sure you log on to the website there, hialeahpark.com. See all the different things that they make available to you, including just a brilliant atmosphere and a beautiful surrounding and a well-appointed casino, poker room and uh, simulcasting room, all happening at Hylia Park. All right, we're coming back with more. Uh, Dave Hyde going to join us uh, from the Sun Sentinel, outstanding uh, South Florida columnist and, and well-known around the country for uh, his brilliance. I think, uh, you know, there has to be some kind of dabbling in syndication with this guy, no? He's done stuff What's I know that? with the Orlando Sentinel, and I think he's been picked up in other papers across the country, too. Yeah, sure, yeah over people his are familiar with him all over the world. And uh, great guy. He's been covering uh, both of these series. Uh, I think he's been uh, jogging back and forth in the home games now. So. You know, very, very much plugged into both the uh, Panthers series against the Lightning and, of course, the Miami Heat's uh, quest to uh, get by the Boston Celtics and play for the NBA championship in what looks like it's going to be a matchup against Golden State. And then John Kajemi going to join us. Uh, John uh, had a nice pick in the golf uh, uh, pool, but unfortunately wasn't supported well by some of his other choices, mm. including Tiger Woods, who uh, finished at plus 12. Uh, but he had this guy, Fitzpatrick, who I was not even familiar with. I didn't even know what he was talking about. And uh, he was a prominent uh, force on the leaderboard there and uh, ended up not too far off the pace, I want to say. Fitzpatrick was one of uh, John Kajemi's picks. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those two entries went up in smoke. There's another stick out oh, the window. Oh, he finished two uh, shots back. Yeah. Finished tied for fifth. That was a good pick. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. Very impressive, yeah. I mean, but it wouldn't have been hard to have uh, both. Uh, and uh, I, w- I will say this. I consider Justin Thomas... I, I, I got cute, and I went with Dustin Johnson, uh, who, um, you know, was nowhere to be seen. And uh, then, uh, you know, Zalatoris is a name. I, I, I've used him a couple of times. He hasn't done well for me. But he's particularly good in these majors, and he's a young kid ready to break through. Very gracious loser yesterday. That would have been tough to accept, huh? He loses by one shot in the three-hole aggregate uh, playoff. They both uh, birdied. He, he would have lost if it was sudden death also because uh, Thomas ended up burning the first couple of holes. Whereas uh, Zalatoris had to settle for par on the uh, second playoff hole and then didn't hit that great of a shot uh, coming into the green. And, uh, you know, it didn't really come that close to uh, making the putt that would have put the pressure on Thomas to uh, sink his. So uh, interesting. I mean, uh, very, very uh, worthy of consideration. I, I thought about it, Louie, for a second, but uh, the rest of my guys stunk up the joints. So. I don't even. Oh, there he is. Doesn't Johnson finish tied 88th? 88th. <laughs> Six over. <laughs> that isn't as bad as I thought it was. I thought he was like 20 over. Patrick Cantley was my worst guy. He missed a cut at like 11 over. Oh, All right. Uh, we're, we're coming back with more in a moment. Dave Hyde going to join us. John and Jimmy, a lot of fun here. Peel yourself off to Mount Monday. I'm going to check outside, see if my New York Post came. Otherwise, I'm going to make a very angry call. 
to the circulation department there. And, uh, you, you know, you're getting somebody in, like, the Philippines there that just, uh, you know, got an autograph from Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> and they could care less about uh, the fact that you're all upset that you didn't get your newspaper. Yes, Mr. DeForest. Yes, we'll do what we can. Yes, right. Mr. DeForest. Right. There's no point screaming at that guy, is there? Uh, I mean, you know, and, and, and venting all of your, uh, you know, anxiety and, uh, you know, the uh, anger that you have over the fact that you're getting gypped. What is the point? You're always talking to the wrong guy. It's never anybody that can actually do Not something about it. Yeah. And do you think they care? I mean, they're, they're feeling like a couple of hundred calls no, like this don't. every day, right? It's like calling your air conditioning guy. Yes. And uh, saying, hey, you know, that new unit you put in, it ain't working. <laughs> oh, okay, Mr. DeForest, please hold. <laughs> hold! Hold this! Yeah, like it's worse than calling a hospital, like we always talk about with Tony Segreto, when uh, you're trying to get some doctor, and it turns out he's on a fishing vacation and is not treating uh, the patient that you're concerned about. All right, uh, coming back with more in a moment here on the Defoe Show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, appeal yourself off the map Monday here on Ion Channel. Back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 7.55. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Catholic Health Services is committed to care that changes as your needs do. Our full continuum of services is designed to be there throughout your care journey. If you need assistance with daily living, post-acute care following a serious health event, or additional medical care at home, we also offer skilled nursing and palliative and hospice care. Your care needs may change, but our commitment never does. Catholic Health Services, South Florida's number one choice for post-acute and end-of-life care. Visit catholichealthservices.org. Mr. Pentangeli, were you a member of the Corleone family? Did you serve under Capo regime, under Vito Corleone, also known as the Godfather? I, uh, I never knew no Godfather. <laughs> Mr. Pentangeli, you, uh, you are contradicting a sworn statement you previously made to me and signed. I ask you again, sir. Here and now, under oath, were you at any time a member of a crime organization headed by Michael Corleone? I don't know nothing about that. Oh. I was in the olive oil business with his father, but that was a long time ago, that's all. We have a sworn affidavit. We have it, your sworn affidavit, that you murdered on the orders of Michael Corleone. Do you deny this confession? Look, the FBI guys, they promised me a deal. So I made up a lot of stuff about Michael Corleone, because that's what they wanted. But it was all lies. Everything. And I kept saying, uh, Michael Corleone did this, and uh, Michael Corleone did that. So I said, uh, 
Yes. It's now time for the Defo Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, you peel yourself off to Matt Monday here on the Defoe Show on Ion Channel. Jeff DeForest and one Mike Luby Lubitz, who was despondent after the Florida Panthers went down, bit the dust, and uh, now we're down 3-0 to the Tampa Bay Lightning with the series uh, concluding possibly tonight. And uh, you hope that uh, maybe uh, you can salvage a little bit of dignity in uh, kind of a uh, throw-in-a-towel game there for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm not sure that's happening tonight. I I think it might end right here. And, of course, the Miami Heat, who uh, came back from that bludgeoning they suffered at home at the hands of the Boston Celtics and rallied, and without Jimmy Butler in a game, uh, came back and uh, were able to establish themselves once again uh, with the home court and the edge in the series at 2-1, setting up yet another pivotal game four uh, coming up for the Miami Heat. Uh, joining us right now is a Sun Sentinel columnist and a man who's been covering both of these series very closely, been to, I believe, all of the home games in both the Panthers and the Heat uh, playoff runs. So a very busy man and uh, always uh, has a great opinion and perspective and is able to illustrate what's going on with the teams and the franchises from many different angles. The great Dave Hyde joins us here on the show. David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Defoe, although just to correct you, I have not attended all the home games because they've, they've played at the same time. Oh, the, yeah, the last you can't attend both. So oh, I, I, it'd be very difficult to have been at them all. But, <laughs> magic. I was thinking of previous series. Watched them all. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a strange uh, coincidence that uh, that happened. I, I don't know. A lot of people were making a big deal out of it. Um, you know, is it uh, something that uh, came about out of uh, lack of overall respect for uh, one of the two teams? Uh, obviously, the Heat with Pat Riley, you're, I mean, somewhat of a marquee team, although you would have thought that uh, Adam Silver told uh, the officials to make sure Boston was in the finals <laughs> uh, the way that last game uh, was officiated. Uh, I, what do you think? I mean, uh, should there be some screaming and a viable uh, reason to fetch about the fact that the schedule came out and both of these teams are playing pretty much on the uh, same night uh, all through the uh, playoff series in, the, in this particular round? Well, we know we know the reason is always the reason in sports anymore, and it's television. Uh, yeah. The, the NBA was set up that, okay, ESPN is going to cover the – Eastern Conference Finals and and on this and here's the schedule. So the NHL, um, you know, a year ago they were on what was that NBC Sports off yep. on uh, way off the stage of, of C-SPAN, so now I they got TNT. Yeah, right, right. So now <laughs> now now NHL has uh, TNT and ESPN and and Batman can't go to them and say. Hey, we don't want this game on. You know, he can, but they, they're going to do whatever they want best. And and the Rangers um, were the pick that uh, what what ESPN wanted on one. And so the, the the Panthers got shuffled off to. Uh, uh, and the good news uh, front, um, maybe the Panthers are are happy they're some share of the night right now with the Heat. Not everybody's going to watch them anymore. So I mean, this is a bad series for them. They're, the way they're playing. Such ugliness, as uh, we like to say, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden, what was the most potent offense in the NHL in a year of extremely high goal totals all the way around the league, uh, it was ratcheted up like gas prices, uh, the scoring in the NHL. 
the Panthers have fallen uh, literally. I mean, as flat as we'd like to say as a Parisian runway model, and uh, they, they're averaging one goal a game for the three games against the Lightning. Uh, what do you see? Is it possible that the Lightning uh, weren't totally engaged all throughout the regular season, finished slightly behind the Panthers, but qualified high enough for the playoffs to satisfy themselves? And then after this dogfight, now, now they've really turned it on. Or uh, is a case? Is it a case, uh, Dave? In your opinion, where uh, the Panthers uh, literally have done a Jerry Lewis-like pratfall at precisely the wrong time, as they were trying to establish that uh, they really had finally found themselves? Yeah, I think I think it's both. I think the Lightning they're going for a third straight Stanley Cup title, and so uh, you know, losing a series to them isn't you know it. it, it it's it's understandable when you're when they're that good. They're they're um, at the same time the Panthers aren't even aren't by their own admission they're not playing hard. They're not playing hard enough, and and they're being outworked and out out uh, classed by Tampa Bay. And and you know the coach gets on every after every game and say, well, we got outworked, or we were nervous, or or something. And and to be honest, it isn't just the, this series. Um, their offense, they, they scored one goal three times during the regular season. They were held to one goal. They were never shut out. In 82 games, they scored one goal three times. And they scored one goal all three games this series against Tampa Bay. And they scored one goal twice against Washington. So it's not their offense hasn't been clicking all playoffs. Dave, when it comes to other sports, a lot of the times we go to coach blaming, and I'm comfortable with that because I've played the sports, I've coached a lot of sports, so I know how relevant a coach is or not when it comes to sports. Hockey, I don't know, so I, I try not to go to the coach blaming, but to me, if you're going to have a coach there, they must have some value. I understand they had a great regular season. I understand Burnett came in with a lot of turmoil and righted the ship, and they did win the first series. But if you then go turn around and play your rival, who you played really competitive last year, you're better this year, they're supposedly worse, and you're you're playing a horrendous series, and your strength is offense, and your offense is abysmal, and then the coach has nothing to say for it, to me, at some point you can start blaming the coach, even if he is a finalist for coach of the year. And there's a guy like Barry Trotz, who has literally come to teams like this, and taking them over the hump to win a title or more, like at some point, where do you see this falling on Brunette, who does seem sort of lost when you're watching the games and after the games? Well, I mean, that's the question that lands on the desk of Bill Zito, the general manager. It's uh, um, how do you measure this, this, what Brunette took over? Yeah. Uh, it, it was calamity when when uh, Joe Quinville was forced to resign um, in October. He's been and Brunette's been an interim coach all season, um, and they had their their best regular season, the best regular season in hockey. Their franchise's best regular yep. season. Um, it was a show what they put on, yep. um, scoring more goals than any team in. Uh, what, 35 years, 36 years in the NHL. So how do you measure that and getting their first playoff series win since 1996? How do you, how do you weigh that with what's happening in Tampa Bay? And I, you know, um, I'm not calling for his job. I, 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 this, he's, he's won a lot yeah. more than any, but than any Panthers coach has in their franchise history this season. But, 
you know, they've fallen flat. And the question really is, can the style they played in the regular season, that wide open, high scoring style, um, can it win in the playoffs? And and uh, that's what the hockey world is, is debated during the regular season. It's what they're debating now. And, and you know, Barry Trotz has a, is known for his defensive system. You know, he's a, He's right behind Quinville at number three on the all-time coaches' wins list. Um, he's won a Stanley Cup, so um, th- th- those are the options Bill Zito's got. And and you know it's going to be an interesting thing. Is I I like Brunette. I like the way he frames. He's very honest in his answers. There's no sugarcoating um, with in, in his press conferences. There's um, now how he is behind the scenes and. You know, an inner hockey strategy. You know, you talk over. Oh, they need more bodies in front of the net. They they aren't playing low enough on their power play. I mean, there's all these. Like in any sport, there's a million theories of what's gone wrong. To me, strategy only gets you so far. I mean, at some point, you just have to outplay talented teams. Yeah. And the Panther Stars aren't outplaying the 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 Tampa Bay Stars. Is that coaching or is it? Uh, for instance, to throw out a name, where's Alexander Barkov this series? Where's he really been most where's of the Uber? playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they are, right? And 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 you get that. Well, they bring you bring that up, and you get the Bam Adebayo answer whenever he has a bad game. Well, he does more than than you guys see, and he's he's more important to the team. Okay, but sometimes while the intangibles matter. Sometimes the tangibles matter too, and the Panthers need goals. And if you're your top two goal scorers, go get some. Brunette's answers. I mean, uh, you know, he looks different. Uh, he doesn't look, uh, you know, a lot like he uh, was one of the extras in the Night of the Living Dead. But uh, some of his answers are very. Uh, it's like Joe Philbin on skates. <laughs> That's my Seems problem. like you know when he just says, "Oh well, we got outworked. Uh, we got outplayed. Uh, you know, we're gonna come." <laughs> But uh, could be. Oh, I, mean, I don't, see, I don't uh, see that at all. Oh, I don't no? see. I don't. I don't see that at all. Joe Philbin right. was milk toast. Brunette is. Uh, he's giving you. You know, during the Washington series, he, he said, "Look, we came out nervous." Mm-hmm. You never hear a coach talk like that. We we came out nervous in a in a, in a big game. We you know we are we were too anxious. We you know it, you don't hear him say. say you know, our, our, basically what he said was, we aren't playing hard enough. We we just aren't. And, and how could you not at yesterday when you're down 0-2, you, you've lost two games in your home arena. Look what the Heat. The Heat yep. was 1-1 going to Boston, and they played as tough a game yep. as, as uh, I mean, on court. They were as tough a team as you're going to find in sports. I mean, they came out and took it to the Boston team and the crowd the whole city and and what a game that was and meanwhile you have the panthers they're down 0-2 and and they just they, they as brunette said they got outplayed outworked outclassed out everything so um you know and, and where does that fall on the coach i guess on, on any team and and maybe he's the one that uh that you know suffers for it but you know to me Again, as I said, at some point, strategy goes so far, and you just have to outplay the other team. 
Pussycats is what they've been in this uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, Zaleski, yeah. You, know, uh, you know, obviously people always point to the goaltending and, uh, you know, that that was a scare going into the series that Vasilevsky you know, was going to be vastly superior to Bobrovsky. Uh, the whole team, just uh, as you said, Dave, for some reason uh, has gone uh, fishing already. And uh, well, we'll see if they can fish up uh, a victory tonight. Uh, very improbable they can come back and, and win this series. Now, uh, you mentioned the Heat. Dave Hyde uh, of the Sun Sentinel with us here on the Depot Show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz on Ion Channel. A little peel yourself off the mat Monday. And, and they did peel themselves off the mat. And it was interesting uh, that uh, we, we were examining naturally. You'll find this surprising, but uh, we were curious about the, the point spread for tonight's game. And uh, very little consideration uh, being given for uh, the fact that, A, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, I would have to think, would be, uh, you know, a game-time decision at best and maybe a very dicey game-time decision, uh, the way that ankle got rolled and then fallen upon by uh, by Kyle Lowry. And uh, he did come back, as Luby said, but sometimes uh, those are injuries when you roll your ankle. Uh, you know, you, you leave the court okay. And uh, then uh, the next day, uh, your ankle is the size of a bowling ball. But uh, we don't know. Uh, the status supposedly is still up in the air. But um, all that being said, I mean, uh, very little consideration given to, uh, you know, the Miami Heat as far as tonight's game goes. So uh, most people, including the line makers, are anticipating this thing's going to be 2-2. And maybe with, uh, you know, overwhelming uh, performance by the Boston Celtics, uh, what do you see there? I mean, uh, are the odds makers wrong in thinking that the Celtics are going to be six and a half points better tonight than the Miami Heat based on what you saw in this last game? I have no idea what's going to happen tonight just because the last two games, well, all three games really have been somewhat of a surprise. The Heat blowing them out in game one, lost them, you know, by halftime in game two, having a greater halftime lead than at any point in, the, in their playoff history. Yeah. And they won 17 championships. And now they had, that was the biggest margin in the, at halftime. And, and then game three where they heat, um, you know, that was, that was a, uh, that was a, a defining win for who they are, what the franchise is, who, you know, what they've built with this team. So I, I wouldn't sleep on the heat at the same time. Uh, look, I, I, this this has all the marks of a, a series being decided by who's healthier. Um, you know, the Heat with Jimmy Butler and and, and Kyle Lowry and and now Tyler Hero out with uh, various injuries, and then the Celtics with um, you know they got three guys who have been on the shelf, including Marcus Smart. Although I will say, I will say, next time I'm sick, I want those Celtic doctors because. Those guys look like they're dying on the court. Marcus Smart looked like he, you know, if, if he'd been a horse, they would have put the drapes around them and, and yeah. brought out the, the little shot there. And and same with uh, Tatum, um, Jalen, uh, who, who oh, Jason Tatum, Tatum on his shoulder. <laughs> he, he looked like he's he, he's separate. Maybe he's lost his shoulder on the court, right? The way that. Uh, and he goes, and they come back out in two minutes, yep. and they're like, uh, "Spry, whatever they're doing back there, whatever they're doing." Uh, and I assume that uh, uh, certainly with um, Marcus Smart, he got a shot because you, you you can't roll an ankle like that and come back and run on it. And he, he, that thing had to be numbed up. Now, you know how it'll be, like like uh, Luby said, uh, the next day and, and tonight we'll see. But but. Uh, um, yeah, that, that, that look, the Celtics are a tough team too. They're they're like the Heat. It's a mirror image in some aspects. That uh, the the players on that team, 
Um, you have to admire how tough they're playing, and then same with the Heat. I think Victor Conti uh, was part of the medical staff <laughs> uh, for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and, uh, certainly, they might have barred a couple of trainers from the Bruins because uh, somehow they get those guys out there. I mean, uh, they get their uh, head chopped off, they get decapitated, and uh, they just glue the thing back on and stick a helmet on the guy, and he's back out there for the third period. Uh, uh, all right, uh, you know, on the other side of things, uh, I- I'm watching, I don't know how much uh, you're observing the uh, Golden State Dallas series, but uh, we were talking about this earlier, and we have Dave Hyde with us from the Sun Sentinel, uh, longtime sports columnist here in South Florida, and uh, recognized uh, for his brilliance uh, around the world through various forms of syndication, and uh, also has a book coming out about Jimmy Johnson, which uh, uh, date is getting closer on that, is it not? I mean, uh, isn't that what coming out in the fall here? It's coming out in the fall. Yeah, Very coming nice. out in the fall during football season. So. Uh, called swagger you can pre-order it it's uh it's, it's a fun read that uh, jimmy unleashed um so it, it's uh we're just putting it to uh print coming up here now have you gone out on a boat and had a few heinekens while jimmy was fishing i mean i would think that that would have to be part of uh getting a feel for the vibe but you know that he's been living for uh, the last many years we we went out on the boat, went out to about uh, six, no, about ten miles out off his uh, caught caught a tuna, and oh, him yeah. and his uh, little merry band of fishermen that uh, he goes out with. He has a few friends down here. He goes out with all the time, and um, I went I went with him to a one of the many corporate speeches he makes uh, over in Tampa. Flew over with him and. Uh, he gets back on his plane, uh, little Gulf Stream or whatever, little private plane, and uh, at, from giving the speech, he walks by the little fridge there, opens it up, and pops a couple Heinekens, and there we go, flying back home. <laughs> <That's> so, <great. laughs> this wasn't some crop duster, though, that you're taking across the state, and uh, I would oh, imagine no, no, now Jimmy told us. Uh, we, we sat down with Jimmy last year, uh, down at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, uh, where we did an interview with us on the radio for about an hour. And uh, we were talking before that, and he says, uh, you know, it's not deadly as catch anymore for him. That uh, He only goes out when the conditions are absolutely pristine. Like, he wants to see it uh, flat as a pancake out there. Yeah, he only goes – he goes based on – based on location. It's not too far a flight and and, and pay. And, and, you know, he he actually went and he went back to Dallas, which he he rarely does because it's – turns into a sideshow as you can imagine him around cowboy fans and uh um he went back there a couple months ago and, and gave a speech with herschel walker it was the first time that they'd uh, seen each other since the oh wow the famous trade and and they they talked together at a at a uh was it, a roofing convention or some some convention in, in dallas so um, but he, yeah, he goes, he go, he does give speeches, but it's, it's, you know, sparing, like, um, um, cause he doesn't like, he doesn't like to leave the beautiful keys and who can blame him? Blame him. Yeah. Who could? Yeah. Luby, what do you got uh, for Dave? Well, I, before I moved on from the heat, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, Western conference, the dominance that we've seen from the Warriors. But what's interesting is you brought up a name for the heat that has been, and it wasn't maligned, has been justifiably questioned in Bam out of bio. Look, even when Bosch was doing the extra things, he would still go for 18 and eight. 
Like Bam doing all the extra thing, going for ten and four and not, and six and nine is a joke. A guy, the guy is an all star caliber big man, and we know what he can do on offense. So when he's not doing it, it's purely him. It's not, you know, it's just the other team so good. No, you're just not being aggressive. And then we saw it Saturday. We saw the Bam that we know he can be, and he was a force on both ends of the floor. And he really is the one that stemmed the tide outside of Victor Oladipo's defense when Jimmy Butler got hurt. And I was at home applauding him, and it was really great to see. And I'm just wondering if that's the guy that we continue to see the rest of the series now that we know he knows he can do it. You know, he said those exact same things, that he, he let his team down. After, after game three, after, uh, what was it, Saturday night, he, he got on and said they felt like he let you know his team down the, the first two games. So um, will he be – who he was in game, you know, yeah. we've seen two games where he hasn't been in one game where he's been great, and which he, and one game that that's more in character with what he's been for the Heat, you know, and and so, you know, your guess is as good as yeah. mine. I, I did he, did he solve something, uh, and the Heat solved something about the Celtic defense, or is it just a matter of, you know, being assertive and aggressive like he he was from the start? I, I mean. He's the one who built their lead and and, and the early lead and, and and defined. Okay, here's how the game's going to be played, and, and that's a, at a bio that uh, yeah they need him running point guard and and defending uh, one through five players on the other team. It's great. I mean that's that's a, a talent few players in the league have, but they they need his points, especially you know if, if Butler isn't a hundred percent, they're going to need uh, Adebayo as a force. Dave Hyde with us here on the Defoe Show. Well, we started to say before we uh, were talking a little bit about the book there coming out with Jimmy Johnson, uh, uh, and I was asking uh, if you'd seen much of Golden State uh, in, in their playoff run so far, and then of course uh, in this series against the Dallas Mavericks where. Uh, no matter what the Mavericks throw at them uh, with Luka Doncic, uh, they, they seem to have uh, more than the ability to fire back uh, with, with even more and have dominated the series so far uh, to the tune of three zip. Uh, we were talking all season, though, about how great the Eastern Conference was. And now it seems like, I mean, just if you were looking at uh, the way the circumstances are shaken out, uh, you would have to favor slightly at least Golden State over Miami or Boston, uh, the way they're performing and having home court advantage. So, uh, uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, is Golden State uh, ultimately uh, going to be the champion uh, from what you've seen? Or um, do you think this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a highly competitive series uh, either way with uh, Miami or Boston going against uh, the Warriors? I think it'll be a great series because you, you put Boston's or the Heat's defense and tenacity on Golden State's offense, and it, it, that's going to be a great matchup. Either either one, whichever team goes out there, and the, and you look at Dallas, they're not they don't play defense, they don't play hard across the board like the Heat in Boston do, and so and physical. Um, and the, it, 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 by Game Seven, uh, we're going to have more injured players on both teams. As hard as they play, the Heat and the Celtics are playing. So again, it'll be. Who's healthier yep. this series, and who's healthy going into Golden State? Yeah. But, but I, I think it'll be a great series. Whoever whoever comes out of the East playing Golden State, all right, should be a lot of fun. Uh, yes, hopefully, sir. it won't be doomsday today for the Florida Panthers. I'd like <sighs> to at least 
seen him salvage a little dignity and, and put up a fight uh, in this series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but uh, that appears to be somewhat of an unlikely uh, possibility. And you know Mayo is ready, I mean, uh, for a cyanide cap, uh, Dave, because uh, he, he sarcastically he predicted he a sweep. He did lose Yeah. Him. He said the Lightning were going to sweep, and we said, yeah, you know what? You just were slightly off in your thinking. You should have gone ahead and laid the money out on it. I nearly sprung for this, so I guess I'm laying off some of my own guilt on Mike Mayo. But uh, well, Mayo, Mayo already regrettable. He's already wrong on the Panthers. He, he predicted him to lose at Washington, didn't he? Is, he did, is yes. He, he did, yes. Is he, but, the interesting thing is, uh, so the, the what's that, uh, the NHL analyst on – on TNT, all of them picked the, the Panthers to win the series. Of course they did. All of them. That's why they're on ESPN syndrome there. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there watching, and it's, it's you know, there's, there's a uh, penalty, a, you know, one of the Lightning took a cheap shot, cross-checked, uh, uh, I forget who, into the boards. Uh, the Panthers and they're all all the the game analysts and the referee analysts are saying, "Oh, that's a major. That's not even a question." And it comes out the referees rule it's a minor. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to hear anybody say I don't know hockey anymore. Okay, they're getting it wrong. All of them are getting it wrong. So uh, um, I guess it's just too hard a sport to analyze. Uh, oh, but I, but I do, I do. Yeah. Melrose for a long time I, was, I do uh, hope you know, a, a human kiss of death because uh, <laughs> you know you, you could routinely go the other way for anything he predicted, and I, I have a respect for his knowledge yeah, of the game. I mean, he might be losing it a little bit. Some of the names don't come and pop into his head as quickly as they used to, and and, and he'll slough over a couple of things, and they let it go with Barry now. But uh, he did win a Stanley Cup, so he knows the game uh, with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and did he? Uh, did he win one as a Kings coach also? Is it possible that did Barry Melrose win two Stanley Cups? I, I know he won the one. Anyway, I, I've had great respect for him. But whatever he picked, you, you could go the opposite way. Whether, whether it was an individual game or a series in the postseason, uh, he was always dead wrong. And that seems to be, uh, you know, the, the, the way that it goes when it comes to <laughs> hockey. And yet they want to disparage you, Dave Hyde, for not knowing what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh yeah, the uh, you, you make one little mistake and yeah. and uh, you don't understand them. The, the 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 handful of hardcore Panther fans are all over you. So God bless them. I, I was hoping the Panthers would get a bandwagon effect this uh, postseason, and, yeah. and and they they got a little bit of it with one series win, but it's it's uh, they've gone downhill. I, I just hope they play more in character with who they are tonight and. and you get to see, okay, even if they're not going to win the series, they they go out with some dignity yeah, of, of uh, and some me- measure of, okay, this is the team we saw uh, all year. Oh, they need a Newt Rockney speech. What are you talking about? I mean, let's go out there and win one for the Gipper, please, for God's sake. I mean, something has to give here. Have a little bit of pride. All right, Dave, always a pleasure. Uh, we take a lot of pride in having you on the show because you're so great at what you do. And I've been doing it uh, at a very high level for a long, long time and uh, continue to just crank out great illustrative stuff uh, about what's going on in the world of sports, especially here on the South Florida scene. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, good yes, luck sir. to all of us uh, tonight. And, and, and thanks for being with us on the show. Thanks, Hyde, man. All right, Defoe. See you later, Luby. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You're well. Dave Hyde, ladies and gentlemen.
So he, he's getting uh, lambasted by Panther fans? <laughs> he was right, because he's probably been honest. And the Panther fans fooled themselves. Like, that's the funny thing. We were high on them winning the first round because how could they not win the first round? But I, we I thought they would never, win the first round. Yeah, we never yeah, boasted did. about the second round. Never. And Mayo was no. all over this bed, and I'm like, there's no way. After whatever the hell that was, that first round, where they almost lost to an old, haggard Capitals team, I have no trust in them versus the Lightning, and we've been proven right so far. I don't know what drug I was on at the time, but it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was uh, on my walk of life that Mayo was right about something. Yep, yep. And that, you know what, as uh, onerous and as ugly as it was to conceive that the Panthers would get swept in the second round, that if you were going to be a betting man, which we encourage, or yep. a woman. Did yep, you yep. notice uh, this? Uh, this uh, came from uh, Jim Sarney, but also I-, I read it the next day when my post was being delivered. And uh, that uh, was that women are, are applying in greater numbers for uh, sports betting apps than men. Men, are. yep. Now, is that because uh, women are the ones that are establishing new accounts because yeah. guys have had accounts forever? I think that, that's that not be... taking into account the fact that guys already had accounts. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it is. I was sending money into uh, some jungle in uh, exactly. <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> exactly. Is Juan there? Yeah. Can he get me down 200 on Duke tonight? Why would I be betting Duke? Oh, I know. Why would they even know what the hell you were talking about, except for the fact that they uh, had some... I mean, I always just pictured like this phone bank boiler room with a bunch of wise guys in the middle of this uh, Colombian jungle somewhere, right? Uh, uh, (laughs) Right outside of Baron Kia, my friend. Right by the street vendors. All, all right. Uh, we're coming back. John Kajemi going to join us, man. Uh, we've been missing John on the show. Yes. He, he adds an element of dignity and class to the program that we otherwise would not be able to uh, in any way generate uh, just between uh, Luby and me. So uh, we're very happy to have John with us here today. Brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Uh, that's mile marker 104. Uh, you know, was there ever a time you saw Jimmy happier than when he was sitting at the Big Chill there holding court 100%. in his own place? With Larry Calvano and uh, Dominic and the whole Kajemi clan was down there. It was absolutely fantastic. Amanda and, uh, you know, I mean, really, really good people. And, and and the vibe there that you get is just absolutely. I mean, isn't that kind of what you're looking for? You want to yes. you want to be in a in a great atmosphere wherever the hell you happen to be. Yes. So uh, if you're in the Keys, you're already kind of uh, taking a, a giant step towards being uh, in a utopian type place and then when you go to Jimmy Johnson's big chill that's it man you'd think you were meeting Thoreau himself exactly hey Henry yeah next one's on me (laughs) (laughs) that's the way it is down there it's just absolutely fantasy land and so uh, we'll tell you more about that in just a few minutes here on the show because we want to bring John on in just a minute and we're going to do that John Kajemi uh, we normally call it Dateline Dolphins not much uh, datelining with the Dolphins right now or football but uh John also doubles as our golf analyst yes. and uh, came up with this Fitzpatrick Good guy. For him. That's impressive. I, I was thinking, who the hell is Fitzpatrick? Is, is that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? I was going to say Mark Fitzpatrick, the goalie. Mark Fitzpatrick, the goalie? <laughs> the Panthers signing him because Bobrovsky's blind in one eye, we discovered. Exactly. All those pucks are coming in over the right shoulder. And there's a reason. I wonder if he can see the big E on the eye chart, right? Uh, we should just hold up a giant E in front exactly. of uh, Sergey Bobrovsky and say, Hey, Sergey, what's this? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Looks like F. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you, you go ahead and extrapolate out on yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, back with more with John Kachemi, uh, a little Dateline Dolphins, uh, and a hybrid uh, edition of that uh, coming up in a moment here. Now that. The time. 829. 
Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. You're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Verizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee for you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. This here on the program, along with John Conjemi and its Dateline Dolphins, of course, uh, Leslie Visser, the lovely and talented one. Did you ever try to recruit Troy when he was leaving Oklahoma to come to Miami? Yeah, I tried to recruit him three different times. I was in his home uh, as sophomore in high school. I had him in our camp. In our camp, and I gave him the award as the best camper. No. <laughs> that's, that was, that that's, was good thing. Really? Yeah. I gave him a trophy. Best you know, camper. He was the best camper, and I gave him the trophy. If I could have given him a couple thousand dollars, it would have been legal. <laughs> hey, Troy, look underneath yeah. the zipper. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, he ended up going to Oklahoma. So then with Miami, we broke right. his leg, and uh, and so – he was going to transfer because Switzer wanted, uh, you know, the little quarterback to run fast, you know, Jamil Holloway. Holloway. And so I called Troy and I'm trying to get him to come to Miami. Well, his father lived in California, so he went to UCLA. So when it came time to draft him, there wasn't any question. He was going to turn me down this time. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs. Thanks to Defo and Luby. Now on the Defo Show. There he is. Wow. Looking good this kid, huh? A couple of weeks off, and uh, seems like all of the, uh, you know, stress has just uh, been relieved from John Kajemi. Not that, uh, I mean, are you ever anything but the epitome of con? We welcome John Kajemi to the show here, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Of course, uh, John, quarterback at Pitt, uh, played in the pros there, uh, Canadian Football League, uh, longtime football analyst on ESPN. What was it? Like, uh, your, your dad said 25. I think you were telling me 21 years ESPN. Yeah, it's uh, closer to that. I think it's 21 and a half, maybe trending to 22. Let's put it that way. All right, very good. And, uh, you know, here, here you are with us on uh, Dateline Dolphins. Uh, now, um, how you been? I mean, what's going on with you, John Kajemi? That's, that's the first question. I, you know what? Just been busy uh, with uh, life. You know, working uh, a nine-to-five grind is pretty tough, but uh, it's been great on the weekends. Got to go out and enjoy some golf. And actually, guys, I, I, I didn't do this behind your back, but I, I have to come clean. I visited Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill yesterday. Oh, nice. Wow. 
And oh. uh, it was spectacular. And it, if you can imagine my brother Dominic on the microphone, uh, Larry on, on guitar, and me just shoveling oysters down my throat, <laughs> uh, a Heineken light just taking it all in with my family. And uh, it, it was great. We had, a, we had an awesome time. And uh, they're, they're just gearing up for Memorial Day weekend. Amanda's getting the place uh, looking great. And uh, they just got it rolling down there. I, I thought maybe you'd just, uh, you know, grab a stool and sit in on the skins there or something. Uh, that that would have worked. Uh, you, it would have been probably, nice. With your uh, athletic ability, you probably uh, coordinated enough to tap out a basic <laughs> rock and roll beat, and you could have backed them up on some of those U2 numbers that they were doing. Yeah, the band was was incredible, and uh, it was a perfect night. Had a, a nice uh, sunset, and, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson's is – is gearing up for the summertime. You know, the, the big chills never look better. And I had, I didn't have the fisherman's pizza guys, but I did have a little pepperoni just to, you know, just to wash down the, uh, the appetizers that we enjoyed. So it was, uh, it was a spectacular night and our family enjoyed it. All right. Sounds good. And, uh, well, was there any discussion about us uh, coming down there for the show or, uh, there was. <laughs> all, off the table? All, uh, they, anytime. Oh, okay. Anytime, should, yeah. Uh, has there been any sign? Uh, there's a search warrant out and a missing persons report <laughs> Tommy on Fox. Uh, Thomas Hugh Fox, <laughs> who uh, used to be able to find. I mean, when he was, uh, did you throw him an occasional pass after he was doing all that hardcore blocking when he was a yes. tight end there at St. Thomas? Yes, I did. My, I think my last high school touchdown pass went to Tom Fox. Nice. So Is that right? That was, yeah. Did, did yeah. he sell you the ball back? <laughs> In high school. Yeah. Like Joe Rose usually, did with Marino? I mean, uh, what, what back happened Back then, he that? just usually signed his name with an X, so I, I wasn't <laughs> sure I was taking it. I think he still does on some of those stock <laughs> transactions that, uh, you know, that he does. Uh, all right. Um, have you – I mean, you, you were on championship teams. Could you, could you have ever seen, like, the St. Thomas High School team uh, coming to the uh, state championship uh, playoffs and, uh, you know, just all of a sudden having a complete reversal of form, uh, even though you might have gotten by the first game, uh, you know, against uh, some school from uh, outside of Loxahatchee, and then uh, you're taking on the second game. I, You know, and have you ever been on a team that just went dead flat after having a sensational season? Uh, it, it seems impossible that the Florida Panthers, uh, you know, very sketchy, even though they prevailed in that first, uh, you know, round series against the Capitals, and now uh, almost—I uh, mean, looking nothing like the team. Like, they look like the Washington Generals on yep, skates. Yep. Uh, you know that they were performing so far uh, against uh, against the uh, Lightning, and uh, you know, I mean, they had all the elements going for them, right? They finally got over the hump there, got a first-round playoff series, maybe a chance to get organized, a bitter rivalry. They hate these guys. There's bad blood between the two teams. Uh, could you imagine being on a team that just uh, had a complete reversal of form after what looked like a championship season? Well, you could, yeah, you could imagine that. And things happen like that in sports, Tifo, and it's a dynamic you just can't put your finger on because if you could figure it out, you'd change direction yeah. and you would do it immediately. It's just one of those things where it looks like the Florida Panthers, to me as a big fan, uh, you know, my, my son's on the coaching staff. You know, my son's part of the video team that that helps them on a Get daily. Out of here, oh man. wow! What really? don't you How have? Not known this. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm I'm involved. I mean, I I'm, I'm wow. I was I was in a state of depression yesterday because of the loss, and it just looks like they're they're you know a, a, a skate or two behind. It looks like the 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 passes are just off the mark, or they're just you know the stick handling's just something's not 
the way it was. And I don't know if it has to do more with the Florida Panthers or maybe who they're playing in, in the second round of the playoffs, because I was thinking back looking at Tampa Bay's season and it seemed like you always knew you believed they were going to be a good team, a championship team, but for some reason they just didn't have that it factor this year. Well, all of a sudden the goaltending goes yep. from, you know, yep. above average to through the roof. And maybe that, that ignites something else in some of those veterans that they've had because the Florida Panthers, it's not like the score hasn't been indicative of the way the games have been played. Mm -hmm. If the Florida Panthers get a couple of bounces in one or two of those games, this series might be 2-1 the other way or at least 2-1 where mm -hmm. you have a chance going into game four now to, to tie the series. But they just haven't, you know, sometimes you, you say that, you know, you have to create your own luck. I don't think the Panthers, they've done a, a little bit of that, but they just haven't done enough to get that puck luck going their way in the play, in the second round of the playoffs. And now they're, you know, it's a monumental hill they're trying to climb down three games. Has your And I know your son's not going to tip hand and give away anything, but has he noticed anything different between the way the team is acting? Because in this regular season, there was a reason they were coming back. They were loosey-goosey. And it feels like, and Brunette said it even back to the Capitals series where they're coming out nervous, which is the total opposite what this team did all year. Like, is he notice anything different in the morale? Because it feels like this team is really tight and the lightning are just letting it fly. No, I don't think so. I, I really haven't gone there, okay. but I just, just in my opinion, I don't think they're playing tight. I just don't think they're, they're playing with the execution they had when, you know, the middle of the season, when they were at their peak, Man. when they, you know, they, they go through this three game skid at home. I think they lost three in a row. And then all of a sudden, they turned it on on the road yep. and they turned it on at home where they were averaging four and a half goals, you know, a game uh, right here in Sunrise. And that it just doesn't seem like they've been able to, to, you know, just take, for instance, yesterday's game. There's a wide open net. Huberto, Huberto. is going to score. I mean, it's going to be a, a no brainer goal. And, you know, the lightning stick, McDonough's stick just happens to be in the traffic area. It clips it and it misses a wide open net. Those are the types of things that went the other way for the Panthers during the regular season. And during the playoffs, as you guys mentioned, even against the Capitals, it, it seemed to be a little bit of a struggle, although you felt like they were going to be able to be good enough to get over the hump. Well, now you're, you're facing a team that hasn't given up more than you know one goal in the last four or five games that they've played going back to the Toronto series. They get a hot goalie. They get a team that knows they need to score two or three, and it's going to be good enough to win because of the way their defense and their goalies playing, and they're playing a team that struggled on the power play. So you add all those things up, you're down 3-0. And, and like I said, if the Panthers had a little bit of that puck luck, it, it's 2-1 right now because they've played well enough in stretches of games to you know kind of capitalize on their offensive chances. They just haven't been able to do that when they needed to, and that's been on the power play because, in my opinion, if they're even even close to even on the power play, this is a different series. What a bloodbath it is to try to win that championship, though, uh, the Stanley Cup. I mean, think about it. This is only round two. Uh, the Lightning, as well as they're playing and looking dominant in this series and looking like they uh, might uh, just go ahead and sweep the Panthers out with a win tonight and put them out of their misery uh, under the uh, they shoot horses, don't they, uh, principle. Uh, we're life and death to get out of the first round. 
And uh, even if they coast through this series, uh, they're still uh, facing a treacherous path, either Carolina or the Rangers. With Carolina up uh, 2-1 there and uh, being a very competitive team during the regular season. And then out of the West, I mean, uh, you know, everybody was thinking Colorado was going to do it. And uh, it, it looks like they're playing the best of anybody in terms of, uh, you know, so far annihilating their competition in the postseason, even though they finally lost the game, but 6-1 uh, and one so far. But, I mean, you look at what it takes uh, to win the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, getting swept in a second round still leaves you, uh, you know, pretty far off in the distance, especially since we thought that this was going to be, be a year of redemption for the Florida Panthers uh, if they got their hands on the Lightning, which, unfortunately for them, last year it was round one, and now this year it's round two. And, and, and they just keep running into a brick wall against this uh, much-hated and despised cross-state rival. Yeah, and, and it's been, you know, going into this series, you're kind of wishing you get that rematch. I was kind of wishing for Toronto because the goalie isn't – not that he's not as – as, you, know, you should be, but he's not He's not the best in the league. No. It, no. it looks like, you know, that, that commercial when the, the walrus is just hanging in, in the net, you know, <laughs> that's what you feel like sometimes – when you're going up against Tampa Bay, when he's playing that way, you know, there's just no room. And even when you squeak one by him, it seems like there's a defenseman there to knock it out of the way where it'll hit a post or just won't get in. And, you know, the, the puck's not bouncing uh, for the Panthers the way it had in the, in the regular season. And, you know, it only takes a one or two goals to kind of turn it around, but this is a, this is now a, a tough mountain to climb down three games. Yeah, uh, Mayo's scratching his head. I don't know if you're aware that, uh, you know, he was contemplating bending the lightning to sweep, which I think you could have gotten some very generous odds on. Uh, we're thinking in excess of uh, 10 to 1, maybe even a little bit higher uh, if you had lightning in four, and he would be sitting on the threshold uh, of – he could have ensured himself a win with a little bit of hedging off here. Now, now, how would you come up with this Fitzpatrick guy? I, I, I was looking at that pick uh, by John Kajemi. Now, we didn't do well in the uh, golf pool on the PGA tournament. Uh, of course, I, I thought about Zalataros, uh, whipped on that. Uh, I'm looking at that one list, uh, which had Justin Thomas. I think it also had Spieth, and I took Dustin Johnson, who uh, did a vanishing act. Uh, but, uh, you know, it could have very easily tapped one and two, but you came up with, like, a mystery guy there uh, in Fitzpatrick. Uh, but what do you think of the tournament? Because uh, it, it was... It was sort of Vandeveld-esque, was it not? Where, where the guy's yes. standing there on 18, and he had a pretty uh, considerable lead. Didn't he lead by, like, three shots going into the last round? And he still has a one-shot lead on 18. Now, it wasn't Vandeveld who could have, like, used the putter and, and still won the tournament. If he had just teed off with a putter, he would have been better off. But uh, guy falls apart, ends up out of the playoff, and, and Thomas survives over uh, Zalateros by a shot. Well, it was, it was great golf, you know, because the drama comes down to the last hole and you felt bad for a guy that had, you know, swung the golf club so brilliantly for three days, three and a half days, and then you make one swing and it puts you in a position where, wow, here comes the next one and here comes the next one and he doesn't get into the playoff. Um, it was disappointing, highly disappointing, I'm sure, for him because he felt like, you know, you, you hit a fairway and a green and the tournament's yours. All you need is a par. And you, you don't get it. And you don't even get a chance to, to you know, redeem yourself in a, in a playoff. And then Justin Thomas comes along and, and, and wins, you know, after the aggregate uh, three holes. So it, it was an entertaining tournament, I, I would say, for a major championship. The weather was, you know, hot and then cold and with, with the drama of Tiger Woods not being able to finish. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know how I can. I think my son put uh, Fitzpatrick in my ear, and, and he was the one that kind of helped me pull the trigger on that one because I took the cheese with Tiger Woods, yeah. and he ended up grinding it out in that second round to, to make the cut. So really, I had Thomas Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Neiman, Hovland. Scheffler was the guy that I figured he was going to make the cut no problem, and he double bogeys mm -hmm. on Friday, the last hole to miss. So, you know, I might have gotten everybody, stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I might have gotten everybody in yeah. not knowing that Tiger was going to withdraw. But, you know, Fitzpatrick uh, was not, I, I will say, Defoe, come and cling. It was not my pick. Oh, no. was, uh, I had help with that. <laughs> as often is the case whenever, uh, you know, somebody's approaching brilliance. And uh, very, very noble of you to uh, go ahead and, and pass the credit along. Uh, uh, now, is this the same son that, that is looking at, uh, you know, was looking at over 25 on the power play on video and yes, trying to assemble is. the highlights there so Burnett could uh, figure out what the hell to do? Yeah, I, I had to have a conversation because I, I was looking at the list and I was a little confused. I, I knew I was I wanted to go with Tiger. Yeah. But there were so many people in that other one. I said, I need a wild card. I'm, I'm kind of going chalk all the way around. And he goes, well, you know, either Fleetwood or, or uh, Fitzpatrick are going to be good because it's going to be windy. It's going to be, you know, that type of European, you know. And I said, well, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't who know the hell is Fitzpatrick, with... though? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, English, English golfer. This guy is oh, okay. really uh, a great golfer. He hasn't won in the U.S., but he's won in Europe uh, a ton. All right. All right. I mean, good pick by you. I good mean, you son. came up with Neiman a while back, and he was, like, leading the tournament. Uh, you know, you're very sharp on this, even though so far it's been a burial. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to line up again for uh, oh, what for is now sure. known as the Open. And then, of course, uh, there'll be another one coming up on, on the U.S. Open uh, later on. Now, now, are they playing a U.S. Open before they play the British Open? No, they that can't be. They usually do. Any? Usually, well, usually the PGA is the last Yeah, time. they already yeah. changed that a couple years ago. A lot of people were fetching about that. I, I didn't really mind it either way because I, I wouldn't have known. I always thought the U.S. Open was late June and then, and then the Open Championship was in July. So I, yeah. I think that's the rotation now. All right. Uh, and, and this guy, uh, you know, it turned out Pereira, Mino Pereira. He, he came out of nowhere. He was 175 to one. I don't think he, he was even on any of these lists. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, you probably couldn't even gotten him. <laughs> they no, don't list every right player. Right-in candidate. Yeah. Right-in. You imagine? I mean, if you came up with that. Uh, but, you know, he ended up not winning a tournament. And, and, and what is it about, like, uh, a guy standing on 18 with, like, his first real shot at glory. Not always even that. Like like Colin Montgomery, didn't he blow a gasket on like 16 or 17 when it looked like he was going to finally win a major and they were always talking about what a stiff he was. He had never won well, how a, about, an American how about tournament. Phil Mickelson? I think Mickelson, the same thing, yeah. When he makes six or seven on the last hole. And, it's amazing. You know, yeah. How often that happens. It's the same thing like in tennis. Um, you can probably see the glare in the background there, but I'm watching a little uh, early action in the French Open, which uh, is one of my favorite sporting events to follow. And, uh, you know, I mean, serving for the set, serving for the match, uh, no matter how brilliantly they've been playing all the way through and dominant on the serve, all of a sudden, when the money's on the table, even the best of the best <coughs> find themselves. I, I, I don't know. I mean, no. Uh, it, it, it's phenomenal how many times that happens where uh, either the opponent rises to the occasion if it's the big star and, and finds a way to break serve or, uh, you know, uh, come through with a clutch uh, birdie or, uh, you know, the, the uh, person that's trying to make that, that jump forward ends up just gagging on it and, and then becomes a, a footnote in the agate 
uh, later on. Uh, uh, John Kajemi with us. Uh, and uh, did you ever, I, I don't know, are you a fan of the Tim Tebow speech? I, I wanted to get into this with you because, uh, you know, you, you've been in that football environment at this level where, you know, motivation might be the difference in a game. But um, I, I was trying to motivate myself. My son's been kicking my ass in tennis. And, and I thought, well, <laughs> what can I do? I mean, uh, you know, I'm obviously not going to get any more uh, physically uh, capable of uh, beating a guy. So it'd have to be, be a, a mental thing. And I thought, let me look at that Tim Tebow speech. <laughs> Did that work? You looked at No, <laughs> the Tim Tebow speech where he was whining and fetching like a little crybaby. Was that, that at uh, halftime? At halftime? That was, that was no, that was after, after losing to Ole Miss the game early in the like, year. Uh, yeah, it was Ole Miss. team that they were supposed to beat. Yeah. And uh, he said, no one will ever play harder. No one will ever work harder. I will never lose another game. No teammate will be a better teammate. I mean, like, like it was utter, like kindergarten nonsense, right? Like, like some screaming little kid kicking, uh, you know, while, while he was face down on the ground in the yard there, right? Oh, mommy. And uh, why, why is that like a speech of legend? Now, would you ever find yourself turning to the Tim Tebow speech if you were trying to find inspiration uh, in any walk of life and endeavor in the future? No, I haven't <laughs> ever entered my mind to turn to the, to the Tebow speech. speech. Not that it might not have been a good speech. I don't remember hearing it from. No, Tampa it was terrible. Exactly. It really. I was. Always get, I always get clips of it when you're looking at college football, yeah. and you know, Ole Miss happens to be playing the Gators, and though you know they got to get a Tim Tebow reference in there, so they they put it on, and it's yeah. yeah I mean, it was probably heartfelt and and it probably motivated a lot of the guys in the moment and all that stuff but if you're losing to your son in tennis that's probably not where i would i, I probably have maybe go rock a couple or... points <laughs> start at 30 love and then exactly. let's go come on exactly son. i can't have him spot me points uh, i mean uh, maybe replay angelo dundee to sugar ray leonard <laughs> uh, one of the great motivational moments in all yeah. of sports history when he just says you're blowing it kid you're blowing it <laughs> That's so way to go. You don't think the teammates like mock Tebow? I mean, here they are at the University of Florida. He's a quarterback. And, uh, you know, I mean, not to get into, you know, kind of a religious debate there, but uh, taking a vow of celibacy before you enter as the starting quarterback of the Florida Gators, a good looking kid, too, that obviously was going to be attractive to any female, even if he was like a philosophy major or whatever. Uh, and he he goes four years there. But without consummating uh, the deed there, uh, John Jimmy, I mean, the odds of that would seem impossible, I would think. Yeah, Not to I mean, imply that you were messing around at Pittsburgh there, but you are a good-looking kid, my I friend. Mean, you would, you would think you the would. odds were stacked against that happening. Yeah. But, you, you know, I don't know. I don't know Tim all that well. University I, I of know- Florida. Yeah, that was an interesting yeah. action there. Yeah, you you could actually it, it could be an accident. Yeah, uh, that's around, the thing. I like yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, you could be going out to get a Coke. I mean, not a vial of Coke, Honestly. but uh, you know, like an actual soda. <laughs> soda uh, see, no, at Pittsburgh, I, I don't know. Was it the same as it was? And I don't know what your relationship status was, but I mean, uh, you know, this would apply to uh, other guys that were there as well. But uh, at Syracuse, you had to you know kind of meet a girl at registration for the fall semester. Because you weren't going to be able to recognize anybody once it got to be October. No. Everybody was so bundled up. January, January and February was a bad, was a mad meet and greet uh, yeah. time in the Northeast, right? Oh, it's ugly, man. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's got, you know, got uh, 
parkas on and they, they look like they're, uh, you know, going on, uh, you know, some kind of Eskimo safari uh, instead of, <laughs> you know, to a mixer. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about that Tim Tebow speech. Because it just bothers me that uh, the University of Florida, like, actually etched that in stone on one of their institutional buildings of yes, higher learning. They did. As if this should be observed by everybody. Like, uh, you know, it, it was one of the classic speeches of all time, uh, which uh, far from it. Uh, all right. Um, a- any steam now? I mean, uh, the Dolphins, they get this pass rusher. Yes. Which, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, what else can they do right uh, during the offseason uh, before we uh, actually see this thing unfold where where people still, uh, you know, and, and you surprised me, John Kajemi, last time on the show that uh, you're not sure that the Dolphins win nine games this year in a 17-game uh, season. Well, I do think it's going to be tough for the Dolphins uh, to, to win double digits this year only because of who they're going to – the opposition and the way they start. You know, it's New England at home. It's Baltimore on the road. It's the Bills at home. And then I think it's a, a, the Bengals on the road. The Bengals on the road. Right, Luby. Thank you. So I, I, I it's a tough start. Now, the, the entire AFC is a tough sled this year because you've, you've got the AFC West, I believe, in, in certain instances. And, and, you know, the Chargers are going to be good. The Broncos are going to be good. Um, all those teams out West, the Raiders are going to be good. Kansas City's going to be good. They're all going to be around 9, 10, 11, 12 wins. And no, no matter how you shake it out, those teams are going to be dominant. Now, you take the AFC East, you've got the Bills, and, and the Dolphins are jockeying for, you know, second fiddle in, in the AFC East. So where does that shake out when you play Cincinnati, the, Bengal, uh, the Bengals, the, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens? You've been notoriously poor against the Ravens last year, you get a W at home this year, you go on the road early. So that might be a 50, 50 chance. I do believe to your first point, Defo, the dolphins have improved. They pulled all the right levers in terms of getting people on this football team that are going to impact wins and losses. Melvin Ingram, the last guy, a defensive specialist rush rush end, Maybe he plays 15 or 18 plays a game, but it's going to be on third down. Yep. And they they told him to come in. Don't worry about the run. Yep. Get to the quarterback. So they're going to give him opportunities opposite Emmanuel Ogba with Jalen Phillips, with Van Ginkle. I mean, this and you've got Jerome Baker coming from the linebacker spot. That's going to be hard to corral. So they're going to be able to apply pressure to the pocket to opposing quarterbacks and they're going to need to because they're going to play an upper echelon of quarterbacks this year so they've done all the right things and they've they've surrounded Tua, you know coming into the season with a lot of firepower on the offensive side i mean you go and get sony michelle as a as a leftover yes, come on they're yeah. just going to add to what you do running the football and i do believe the philosophy of this offensive line is going to help this team it's not a man-on-man blocking scheme. It's getting more athletic with your offensive linemen and running off the football so you can create daylight for your running backs. It's not, hey, hit this hole, and, and that's where, you know the only place you can go. It's wherever you see daylight, get it with speed, and that's what they've acquired at running back. They have a ton of speed at running back, so any little sliver of a hole or daylight that this running back can get to not only is he going to get to it, but he's going to get through the back end of it. So 
if that offensive line can adapt to this new scheme of the way that McDaniel, you know, wants to do things offensively, it's going to have some success. It's going to take some pressure away from Tua and having to, you know, dependent on making third and long opportunities. At least you can run it, you can play action, and you can get rid of the football quickly with now guys that can do something with it. You know, you've got Tyreek Hill, who I've watched a couple of days of practice, looks phenomenal. I mean, this is like a, a fire plug that's the fastest human, you know, on the field anytime he's on the field with Jalen Waddell and with a guy like Mike Kosicki, who now has more room because he's got, you know, double-barreled slots that can move anywhere on the field in any formation. It sets up to be an interesting year for the Dolphins, and they're going to have to get through that early schedule if they're if they're going to get to, like, a lot of the, you know, the the pundits around the country talking, you know, 12 wins, 11 wins, maybe 10. If, if they get through the early part and survive on the road at the end of the schedule, because that's where it gets tough, a lot of games away from Hard Rock Stadium, that that's the two the two bookends of the, of the schedule they need to somehow come out with winning with a winning record oh i would think so i mean uh you know an excellent assessment there but uh, I, I would think it would be a colossal disappointment if they didn't win 10 games oh, yeah, yeah. or more what they've done uh, simply because i mean you, you traded all of this uh, draft capital yep. to get tyreek hill so yep. i mean uh, you, you basically said all right this is it man we're going for it yep uh, you know, we're, we're not going to develop guys over the next three years and get all of this young talent that uh, is part of a, you know, the original tanking philosophy that uh, you're going to rebuild from scratch, uh, but with, uh, you know, high quality scratch. Uh, you know, they, they shoved all in. And uh, yeah. I, I would think that uh, if they didn't win 10 out of 17 games, like a 10 and 7 record would be a very modest yeah. accomplishment for a team that uh, went nine and eight last year Here, uh, here's you know. the thing Defoe yeah. like on, on offense when you have new scheme new philosophy new terminology all that stuff new players beginning of the seasons are usually yeah, true tough they're usually not you know the way you're going to be in the middle of the season or at the end of the season you know when you start rolling and you have more familiarity because you don't you don't really go live enough to know what it looks like right usually defenses are ahead of offenses so it bodes well for the Dolphins if they can, you know, hold uh, New England and, and Mac Jones down you know, early. If they can get to Lamar Jackson the way they did last year and hold him, you know, not running the football, not completing a high percentage of passes, getting a lot of third downs, keeping the Dolphins offense in the game. If that happens, you know, they, they may come out three and one early. And now you feel like you got a, a head start on it because you haven't really hit all on all cylinders on offense. So that's that's the kind of part I'm talking about, early schedule, new offense, new scheme. How well do the players that they have adapt, and how, how fast can your defense start to maybe steal you a game or two at the beginning of the season? Uh, I'm Bobby Knight on this thing. I'm sick and tired of losing to the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the last few years. Right? right? <laughs> Remember that famous? That was another great yeah. speech. Now, that was an inspirational speech. I'm sick and tired of losing to Purdue. All right, uh, John, always a pleasure, man. I'm glad you got down to the big chill. I hope you said hello and sent yes, our to all the great people down I there. Uh, absolutely fantastic. We can't wait to get down there. I mean, we don't consider that you snuck out on us because uh, no, it would have no. been hard to lure me away from my uh, casino setting yesterday. Uh, pounding away on the ponies. But uh, nonetheless, if there was an option, uh, that would have been a, a fine alternative to get down to Jimmy Johnson's big chill. Mile marker 104, Overseas Highway. 
All right. Uh, when do we see you again? I mean, uh, do we know? Uh, is there any kind of a you know a plan here? Because uh, we need you on the show, John Kajemi. We love you. Well, we're hoping uh, sometime uh, in the OTAs coming up, we'll have some more dolphin stuff nice. to talk about. So All right. I'll get with Luby and and we'll organize. Let's it. do it. Sounds good. Any sign of Tommy Fox? I mean, uh, have you talked to him? Uh, I haven't heard from this I, I guy in not. years, man. I'm living not, in so his old place, and uh, you know, no sign of him. I, I will reach out to Tom later today. That's for sure. All right, all right. Sounds good. Looking good, kid. Uh, how'd you shoot this weekend? You know what? Surprisingly, uh, I overachieved on, on oh, the yeah? golf course, which was nice. Yeah, so I was able to to get a couple shackles and and move on. I was able to afford going down and. And, and buying some beers down in nice. well, What kind, what so kind of money were you talking about playing for here? In very, little, very, little, yeah. very little, Defoe. Very little. Very little. Yeah, I don't want to risk a lot, but it, it was a fun day with the, the boys out at Grand Oaks. That's nice. You never taught golf somewhere? I have a PGA card. You could have substituted for Patrick Cantley, that dog no, that I had in the I, pool. Gosh. Oh, my God. That was a huge disappointment. Oh, him my. and Scotty Scheffler, that was it. I had them both. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> You did better with Tiger. All right. And I was I was saying, oh, my God, John, uh, you of all people, how did you get sucked in on this Tiger thing? And then, uh, you know, he shot that one under on the second well, day. And, my and my philosophy was if I'm not going to go with the greatest player, arguably the greatest player that ever played the game one leg. And in a major that's never missed a cut, really, yeah. I got to go with him, right? Uh, Casey Martin was, uh, you know, in, in better shape to walk the course, uh, you know, and of course that was a big debate over whether he should have a card. Let Tiger have a card. I'm surprised it immediately instituted a rule there. Uh, this Johnson guy, the president of PGA, saying it was okay for him to not only ride on a card but uh, have, uh, you know, lie improvement, which <laughs> is one of my favorite considerations in golf. Lie improvement, I, I think, is an essential if you're going to play a good game. Yeah, All right. You're not cheating if you're not trying. <laughs> Do I get relief on that? Hey, look at that. There's a stone right there. I don't want to break my club. <laughs> All right, John. Ha ha have imagine. a great time. We Thank look you. forward to talking to you again. It's always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. All right, John Kajemi, ladies and gentlemen. You had some info on the Dolphins, man. I, I was thinking there, there was really little to talk about with regard to football, period. I, I'm not following the USFL at all. Nah. I know the professor has been He's killing doing well. it. He's doing well. Who, who's that quarterback that he hates? Shea uh, Patterson. He was a guy that was a huge time, huge recruit, went to Michigan, then went to Ole Miss, and he ended up being a massive bust. And he's the same with the USFL. Ken's gone against him every week. Every week and wins. Champ. I mean, see, that's what you have to do. <laughs> and then money management. We mentioned it. That, that's a Mark Lorenzian type of yes. uh, principle. Money management, which I don't abide by at all, right? Oh, no, if, I, if you were thinking about it strategically, uh, you, you would make moves that actually made financial sense and weren't destined to lead you on a path to financial ruin. What do you think, Louie? Uh, I mean, you, you know smart. you're going to have some hard times uh, when, you're, when you're a degenerate gambler. You're going to go, like, uh, through series and, and some of the toughest beats that you can imagine. Yep. Photos, uh, you know, lost by the uh, smallest of nose hair margins. Uh, you know, reversals uh, by stewards inquiries. Team uh, putting a meaningless three up there at the last second there. A guy just flings the ball from half court and guess what? Oh, look at that. It goes in. And that makes it 109-105. <laughs> And uh, you, you were getting four and a half. I mean, you know, come on. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, uh, it was great being with you. Had a lot of fun. Yes. Peel yourself off the map Monday. Uh, I, I'm going to be peeling myself out of the country. 
Yes, sir. At the and end of the week, week here, Luby. So um, I'll, I'll be with you guys through Thursday, and, and then uh, Luby's going to uh, have an assortment of different things happening here on the program. So uh, looking forward to that. And I hope, uh, well, you know, you, you've been trusted uh, with these things in the past. Yes, I've done a few times now. Yeah. Although it's, it's six hours later there. So I actually, if I, uh, but I'm not inclined to uh, take all equipment. of this stuff on the road. Huh? Be a little rough clearing right. customs. Wow. What is that in your bag, sir? Um, all right. <laughs> Remember when we were carrying that radio gear? Yes. They always thought we were like, uh, you know, Iranian terrorists or something. Yeah. Yes. It was never the dream. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 7. Thanks, people, for tuning in. Uh, I'm Jeff DeForest from Mike Luby Lubitz. Yes, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, thanks to the people at Ion Channel for carrying the show. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 as we leave you now that. The time. It's 9.06. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.